Greetings, Dr. Beckett. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. In 2017, the military gathered a small group of scientists to try and bring the Quantum Leap time travel program back online. Five years later, believing it was the only way to save his fiancée's life, Dr. Ben Song risked everything when he entered the accelerator to travel back in time. He awoke to find himself trapped in the past, facing mirror images that were not his own, and driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. Ben believed he would only need to complete 18 leaps before he could return to the place and people he calls home. But something went wrong. Ben! No! And for reasons unknown, Ben did not leap home. listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. This is episode 158, As the World Burns and Against Time. I'm a firefighter. Cool. Don't just stand there and put it out! Right. What about your mother? Oh, thank Where is God. she? Jeffrey, how many times have I told you not to plug anything into the wall without triple-checking the breaker? I did, I swear! Jeffrey, Hannah, I heard about Josh. I'm so sorry. It's not your fault. You tried. When you went missing and the program was shut down, Ian cut a secret deal to continue the search. With who? A Silicon Valley billionaire named Gideon Ridge. Okay, so the equation to bring Ben home, the one you've been trying to solve this whole time? It's Hannah's. She completed it. We can bring Ben home who that person Step is. Step away then. from the computer terminals and desist all activities. Now. On whose authority? Let's say it's on my authority. Because from now on, I'm in charge of Quantum League. Where's Addison? Relieved of duty, like the rest of your team. You're the billionaire. I'm a lot more than that, Ben. All right. And who the hell are you? Come on. I was told you're a genius. I really have to spell this out? Maybe, uh, maybe this will jog that memory of yours. Oh my god. Jeffrey? In the flesh. So to speak. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast, everyone. I'm Christopher DeFilippis. And I'm Allison Pregler. And today we are having a Quantum Leap double feature season finale extravaganza. Whoa! <laughs> we will be reviewing the last two episodes of season two, As the World Burns and Against Time. And, you know, we had discussed, Allison, whether or not we were going to try to do this as two separate episodes or what. And we decided to watch the episodes first and see what was apropos. And I think doing them together is the right choice, don't you? Yeah, they fit together nicely. Yeah, it's two leaps, but a single contiguous story. Yeah. So, yeah, it doesn't make much sense, I think, to discuss them apart because they complement one another. Plus the fact that, you know, everybody who's listening to this will have already seen both. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> They're airing at the same time. So, I mean, I guess it makes sense to do them both at once. And, and it'd be hard to talk about one of them without talking about the other because they go together so well. 
Yeah, yeah, that was the other thing. I don't know how we would discuss them separately. I guess if we had a week apart, we wouldn't have a choice. But uh, now that we know the ending, there's just no way we can separate the two. So so I think this is the way to go. It's the first for me. I don't think I've ever discussed two episodes at once. Unless, well, Lee Harvey Oswald was its own movie, right? Yeah, I guess Lee Harvey Oswald was technically one episode, but it's separated into two. But yeah, not normally two episodes in one. So it's a Quantum Leap podcast first. I mean, for me anyway. I think for me too. I didn't do a a double feature without you. (laughs) Thank goodness. All right. I can check that off my insecurities list. Allison didn't pod behind my back. Okay. Checking that one off. All right. We got two episodes and we got two interviews. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that fitting for this big double episode extravaganza? Yeah. So double feature. Double feature. So yeah, the two interviews we got are two of the coolest ones I think we've gotten uh, this season. One of them is a return guest. Uh, it is Mr. Drew Lindo, the writer of 213 Against Time and uh, Quantum Leap producer extraordinaire. Uh, not to hype it up too much, uh, this is my first time talking to him and had a great time. Yeah, and it's 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 also Allison's triumphant return to the Quantum Leap interview circuit, so um, you guys do not <laughs> want to miss this. Uh, we spoke to Drew about everything under the sun regarding this episode, mm-hmm. and he wanted to talk more. That's how much he has to say about this and how invested he was in writing this one. So, Oh, yeah. I was enthralled just listening to what he was saying. I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's a pretty good point. Yeah, you were good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you guys are going to want to hear that. So stick around for that. We'll be bringing you that interview after the break. Thank you again, Drew, for the time that you spent talking to us. Guys, I'm telling you, it's fantastic. So stay tuned for that. We're also thrilled to be bringing you guys an interview with Wyatt Parker, who played Jeffrey Nally. I guess that's Jeffrey version 2.0, or is it Jeffrey 3.0? I guess Gideon would be Jeffrey 3.0, right? (laughs) You were right. I was right. I think I called it. I I think that I wasn't alone. I think a lot of people were suspecting uh, that that might be the case, including you. And um, No, I said I didn't think it would be. Oh, you didn't? Yeah, you listen back to it, people will be like, Allison, you fool. It was laid out. (laughs) I was trying to give you protective cover, Allison. (laughs) It was funny because Albie told me that we had gotten uh, Wyatt, and then he told me that he wanted Serenity to lead the interview. And I was thinking, well, that's, that's amazing because that kind of fits in with our tradition. If we do have one of the children's stars of the show, Serenity likes to talk to them as well. So it's also the return of Serenity to the Quantum Leap podcast interview circuit. Heck yeah. She led, but uh, I was on the call with her and we spoke to Wyatt and Wyatt, he's such a smart kid. He's such a funny kid. He was talking about like all the stunt work that he had to do and how he had to play off Ray and what he was doing, you know, on set and how he got the part. So we're not going to have that interview for this show, but we will be premiering it on our YouTube channel later in this week. So keep an eye out for that. That's going to be on youtube.com slash the quantum leap podcast later in this week. Uh, We also have some other stuff coming up on YouTube, don't we? We have some news to bring you about the Leap Day special that I told you all about a few weeks ago, the one that we're going to be doing to benefit Matt. Um, There have been some significant developments. I will be letting all of you know what they are at the end of the show. So please remember to stay tuned for that as well. So, so much to come. So much to come in this episode, but man, man, there was so much going going on. on. So much to discuss. (laughs) 
right? Yeah. It's like, what do we talk about? This or this or this? Yeah. Oh, what about just, this? Yeah. I, it's it's yeah. You know what? Before we let, let's do just do some initial impressions first. That'll always that helps us you know center ourselves. It'll ground us a little bit, and then we can go from there. Allison, what okay. are your initial impressions of? I guess let's give them together of as the world burns and against time. I think these are the best episodes they've ever done. Like, wow. Yeah. (laughs) They were great. Like, and it it gave me a lot of hope, you know, for like how the show was going, how it could go, you know, if they get renewed for a season three. Um, I was excited to see what was happening. I was looking forward to seeing what the characters were doing. And uh, by the time it ended, I was like, oh, that's it. It's done. (laughs) I got to see more. That's great. Wow. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going right there with you. I think they are among the strongest episodes the show has ever done. And I feel like these might be two of the most earned episodes character-wise that we've ever seen on the show because they really were a great synthesis of so many themes that they've been playing with throughout not only season two, but hearkening back to some of the stuff that they were showing us in season one and kind of trying to bring it all together for these these last two, which, I mean, I guess maybe they were thinking these could be our last two. And we, yeah. we should come right out and say it. I mean, I think that they have purposely made this so that it could serve as a season finale. Oh, sure. Or a series finale. Right. Yeah, yeah. So that's keeping up a grand quantum leap tradition. I mean, mirror image was supposed to be the same thing. (laughs) It's like how do you how do you end the show without ending the show? And I think they they had a a pretty great idea about how to do it because it could be a very great ending as a series finale, but I hope it isn't because it feels like they're just they're finally getting the hang of things, and uh, and and I'm there with you with um, them wrapping up stuff from season one as well, because there was some stuff from season one that was absolutely useless that suddenly felt like it had a payoff and it was worth watching and not wasting our time. You know, some of the stuff from this episode paid that off. Well, do you want to uh, speak about a couple of those specifics and as a way to get into the broader discussion? Sure. I mean, well, I mean, I guess it seems like it's jumping ahead, but I mean, the stuff with Janice in particular, I felt paid off a lot of things that felt like they just didn't have a great purpose and were kind of wasted in season one, especially with her homegrown imaging chamber. I thought that they put that to great use. I actually liked Janice in this episode. I didn't (laughs) find her annoying. She didn't drug her mom. It was great. It felt like there was a good character payoff. They paid some lip service to some old Quantum Leap, but it didn't feel like they were trying to ape old Quantum Leap. There was even a payoff to the terrible Jen elevator episode because Jen got to trap someone else in an elevator. So it felt like it came full circle and there was a reason for it. I was thinking of you the second that elevator turned all red and stopped. (laughs) At last, someone else is trapped in the elevator. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it was it was fun to get some of those really specific callbacks, but I like the fact that um, they tied in some of the season one stuff, especially the Ben and Addison relationship stuff, into a lot of the bigger themes that they've been exploring this season. And yeah. I, I think that I'm ready to, for this version of Quantum Leap, rebrand God, Fate, Time, whatever, into God, Time, Faith, and Sacrifice. Should Faith be Family? <laughs> They're family. Family. 
family. I got family. I mean, yeah, if you want it to be, it seems like uh, they, they're still plugging away on that one. But uh, the seeds are all here. I mean, we, we've been playing with a lot of these ideas throughout this season, and it's almost like the synthesis starts to happen right away with magic being forced out. And as he's leaving, he's telling all of them that they need to have faith in themselves, especially Jen, so that they can get Ben home. Trust in yourself, Jen, like I do, and know that I am deeply proud. I'm proud of all of you. The future of Quantum Leap is in your hands now. He is going on the idea of that sacrifice that we've been talking about. He is a sacrifice to enable them to continue doing good, to help continue the mission, not only to get Ben home, but maybe to propel Quantum Leap out of the hands of Gideon Ridge. Who knows? But he seems to think that his departure is necessary. I think that works really well in that moment because it kind of cements some of the things he's been saying. But little do we know that he has an ace up his sleeve, you know, at that point in the episode. So. I think it works well for both the mechanics of the plot and also for some of the themes that they'll just keep hammering home in these two episodes. And he talked about sacrifice. Do you think that that Josh was a necessary sacrifice to help put all of these pieces in place? And I, I have like a very specific timeline in my head that's all like wibbly, wobbly, timey, wimey, butterfly effecty. I mean, they, they were really leaning into some of the time travel tropes in this one. And I kept on thinking of what you were saying, that Josh ain't coming back, poor Josh. And Josh seems to be the the focal point of all of this. Once again, the sacrifice that's necessary for all of these other pieces to come into play. Yeah, I mean, Josh was definitely an important part of the plot. I don't know what you mean by, like, his sacrifice was necessary. Like, I think it's just one of those fixed points in time kind of thing. Like, it was going to happen regardless. Really, the shifting point was how Jeffrey took it and changing what happened in in that particular instance. Like, I mean, there was definitely sacrifices as a theme overall. I just don't know. I mean, if he hadn't died, why did he have to die? Well, let me let me let me see if I can lay it out for you. But this is also going to go back to the drum I've been beating this entire time about sort of a guiding hand revealing itself here. And um, there being GTFW somewhere in the mix because Hannah says that... Ben, every time our paths have crossed, it's because you needed my help. So it seems that GTFW paired Ben with Hannah so that she could help him specifically. But as a result, she gets into theoretical physics and develops the swap code that we hear about later on in the episodes that is designed to get Ben home somehow. But... In doing so, it also plants the seeds for um, the loss of Josh and Jeffrey's wrath and the creation of the quantum chip that was necessary to reconnect with Ben in the first place, way back in the first episode of this season. Without that chip, we wouldn't be here right now. It, It put all the pieces in place that would enable Ben to continue to do good, but It also created this nemesis that he has to fight against in order to do good. And it's like all of the pieces have been put into play, but it's still somehow up to Ben to figure everything out and bring everything together. And that's what I mean by like, if if Josh 
hadn't died in the original history of the heart attack and Ben hadn't warned him, Jeffrey wouldn't have known and it wouldn't have led to Jeffrey growing up to be Gideon to try to replace the project. And it all seemed part and parcel, like different sides of the same coin. Without Ben doing the good, Jeffrey wouldn't have been bad or vice versa. Yeah, but he still did it in the good timeline when Ben changed things. He still created the chip, and he was – was he still named Gideon Ridge? In the... No, no. He was Jeffrey at that point, Jeffrey Nally. What about Jeffrey? Jeffrey Nally, is he still after us? Why would he be after us? He's a major donor to the program. Yeah, I, I made I made sure to, to pay attention to that. <laughs> I did watch it twice. I just didn't remember that part. Right. Yeah, but, no, because I, yeah. I said to myself as I was I was taking a shower this morning, I said, is he still Gideon? I said, no, I got to – I got when I rewatch it, I got to make sure to double check <laughs> that. No, they, they fixed it. So, But they didn't know. They didn't know if they succeeded in changing Jeffrey, if they succeeded in saving whatever, like all of the butterfly stuff that they were talking about in this one. They had no idea what effect it would have on them in the present, on their current timeline, where they would be at the end of all of this. So that was where the faith came in, and that's where magic says we have to believe in each other. It's, it's that penultimate scene in Janice's makeshift imaging chamber. We take the risk together. Ben's leap has put him exactly where he needs to be to get to Jeffrey. Now, that can't be a coincidence. Now, we may never know who or what is guiding him through time, but I believe there's something larger at work in the universe, a greater good. And today, I believe it's asking us to sacrifice. Let's just have faith that if we do the right thing, we'll somehow make it through to the other side. So they didn't know that it would be that when they came out somehow magically back in the project that Gideon Ridge has always been part of their timeline, but now it's Jeffrey Nally, who is a booster of the project and I guess working with them to get the quantum chip to bring Ben home, yada, yada, yada. So I think that's somewhat narratively convenient, but it is a nice payoff because they still sort of know who's who. And that's the part of the episode that you just have to sort of say, okay, Addison remembers one thing. Who knows what their timeline was subjectively from Ian's point of view, from Magic's point of view, before they made that shift, before Ben changed Jeffrey's mind in the past. I, that to me right. is very interesting. I could do a whole show about that. <laughs> That's the, the one part of uh, the two-part episodes I didn't really like so much was uh, undoing everyone's memory at the end. By them not remembering all this stuff, it felt like it didn't change them as characters, but it, it felt like it did undo some character stuff that I wanted to stay. Like, I don't know, them forgetting everything just feels like wah wah. And them being confused by time travel again. It's very season one callback. Classic people who work at a time travel project, you don't know time travel. And they're like, another timeline. You don't remember the other timeline. Another timeline? Am I the only one that remembers? Do we need to call a medic? Then they just continue on without uh, probing any further, like in a very natural way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I could see where they would say another timeline because from their point of view, Addison just stepped into the imaging chamber to help Ben. Yeah, but they work at a time travel project. If she's talking about some other timeline, they're like, I'm not even vaguely curious about this. And they're like, <laughs> huh? Do you need to see a medic? Another timeline? <laughs> that part I was like, that's dumb. <laughs> 
I just I just think it's dumb that they're always confused by time travel when they work in a time travel project. All right. I, I'll give you the fact that they didn't, you know, explore that further and say, hey, you know, do tell. But at the same time, we have a minute and a half to wrap up the entire season. Sure, so. they do. There is some necessary stuff. I think the thing that really bothers me is the memory thing, though. Like Beth never got to make those sandwiches. <laughs> Poor Beth. What? Poor Beth. <laughs> but I don't know. There was some stuff I just felt like they they didn't need to undo. But also, I do find it's consistent with a quantum leap of old in that the hologram is the one that remembers the timelines. I was in the imaging chamber, directly connected to Ben. That has to be it. Right. And that's something that um, we had explored a lot when we were reviewing the novels. And that, that yeah. seems to be where that idea came up. So it's carrying on a tradition that we noticed in the extended universe of Quantum Leap. And I guess now they just made it canon because... It, well, it was in the original show too. Can you point to one specific instance where Al came back and things had changed and he was the only one that knew? Because I'm trying to and I just can't. When that senator um, changes into someone else at the... Uh... Whatever the hearing that they're doing, honeymoon express. Yeah, honeymoon express. He's the only one that notices. No one else does. Uh, There's other things I think he's talked about. I'm forgetting offhand, but um, yeah, Jackie died in the original history. You probably don't remember. Yeah, and like you know, there's things that it's they would have to know the original histories for the whole thing to work anyway. Like for the the leaps, but uh, as far as their personal timeline, he remembered the stuff uh, in honeymoon express. I think that's what they took off from in the the books as well. And that's funny to me because in the books, in my head anyway, the fact that he remembered both timelines was because he was there linked to Sam in the imaging chamber. And that's exactly what Addison said when she came out. So Honeymoon Express is a little bit of an outlier on that because if Al is outside of the, quote, quantum bubble, he should not remember that Diane McBride was never the senator. Yeah, well, I believe I believe the novels insinuate that it has something to do with his connection to Ziggy and to Sam because their uh, brain waves are linked together, specifically Sam and Al. So I think maybe that's what we kind of headcanoned and maybe the books insinuated, but that's not like from the show itself. So, I mean, you, you got to kind of guess why Al would remember and, and no one else would. But it made sense what they put in this episode. I thought that was fine. I just think like everyone else at the project not remembering story-wise just feels like we just watched a lot of stuff happen with them, like their connection with Janice and all this other stuff, and then like it it went away. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a little too bad. I mean, because it was nice to see. Of course, like an idiot, I'm always looking at the credits as they're they're coming up, and I saw that Georgina's name popped up, and then I saw Susan's name pop up, and I was just like, oh, okay, I guess we're gonna see Janice and Beth this episode, which is nice. It's the <laughs> finale, but I kind of wish I hadn't because it was a really neat reveal when Magic brings her into the picture, and uh, it's just nice to see Georgina having fun again. Yeah, it was great. Uh, I liked her little Hawaiian outfit to say, you know, she came from Hawaii. And uh, I thought she wasn't being mean spirited or smuggy smug. Like it was kind of like it fit what was going on. I felt like it it was a good uh, redirection for the character. I liked the scene where she talked about her family and why it meant so much to her because she wouldn't exist without Sam or Project uh, Quantum Leap. And uh, it it was nice. I like that they used the music too. That was really cool. Yeah, they use Sam's theme and part of the main theme and that, yeah, of course, that hit me right in the heart. In the original history, my father went missing in action and was presumed dead in Vietnam. My mom never waited for him. 
And then one leap from Sam Beckett changed everything. Beth waited for Al, they got married, and had four girls, me and my sisters. Janice, we had no idea. There's no record of any of this. History changed. But my mom always knew the truth. Without this project, our family wouldn't exist. It was a great callback. It was great that they were able to once again bring in the legacy hand link. I was trying to figure out if that was the green and blue one that was the stand-in prop that they used in yeah, the it's first the season. One. <laughs> it's the stand-in one. It again. was because it, it looked to me like in a couple of scenes it could have been the replica prop one too. It could have been one of Morgan's. So I don't think it was, but I could be misremembering. I think it was just the stand-in hand link. Some scenes, it's clearly the stand-in, but especially when um, Caitlin's in the car, when Addison's in the car and they're racing to Jeffrey's house, to, to Hannah's house, and Jen dies. And uh, we can talk about that too, but it looked like it could have been one of the replica prop handlings. Anyway, the, the sound effects were great. Everything about it was just a terrific oh, yeah. callback. It was great. She didn't have to explain to Ben. He just looked at it and said, huh? You know, but, but he knew what it was <laughs> clearly and, you know, yeah. it wasn't an issue. It was great seeing her use the old hand link with the old sound effects and like them using the makeshift imaging chamber to talk to him. And it felt like it was a good vibe before the gen stuff. I was kind of like, what if they just kept it this way? They were just going rogue. Like they weren't part of the other project anymore. They were just doing stuff from this makeshift thing and kind of making their own way. I don't know. They'd have to, they'd have to incorporate Ziggy somehow, right? Bring Ziggy back. It was connected to Ziggy in some way, wasn't it? At the other project, they were like looking at what they were doing. So it kind of feels like it was connected in some way. Plus the hand link. The, through the hand link. That's the way I took it. I mean, because Janice was able to co-opt Ziggy in season one using just the hand link that was yeah. connected also to her imaging chamber. So that tracks with the lore of this series so far. That hand link would give them a direct link to Ziggy if not to anything else at the project. So that that... That's something. Um, how that would work if it, if they set it up so that, you know, they were vying against Gideon in season three and it was project versus project. I don't know if I would have liked that, but uh, they would have had to find some way to bring Ziggy to 3.0. Yeah, I wasn't hoping that they continued like being against Gideon the whole time. Just, I don't know. I thought like it seemed like a good change up that it was sort of less sleek, less government funded, less uh, businessy. I guess, and then they're, they're using this makeshift thing and, like, this rogue team of time travelers. I don't know. It was just a thought that I thought, like, it was it was interesting. I like how they shook things up when they did that. It was neat. And, um, again, it was a way that this finale was dynamic in a way I wasn't prepared for it to be. I didn't think that they were going to, again, synthesize so many elements from both season one and season two and and do it so effectively. One of the things that, that I really loved about all of it, though, even though we had all of these pieces that were in play that you might attribute to a higher power trying to to set things in motion and trust in the people that are involved to do the right thing to get the outcome or the result for the greatest good. It wasn't about that per se at the end. It was always about solving the leap. And the leaps were the key. 
because without the fireman rescuing the construction workers and, and getting they, they Hannah wouldn't have been able to give the code to Ian in the future. So it was like Ben solving the leap instead of rescuing Hannah, he went to solve the leap, but that gave Hannah the time to give the code to Ian in the future. If Ben had not convinced Jeffrey to come with him to save the life of the race car driver of the dad, um, Jeffrey would not have had that change of heart. Ben could have spoken to him until he was blue in the face. He still would have transformed into Gideon until Ben got him there on the scene to save the dad and actually complete his mission. So that was another way in which I think the show could have fallen down because it's so much going on. But at the end of the day, everything hinged on the leap plots being resolved successfully. Yeah. I love that the finale all boiled down to saving a race car driver's dad because <laughs> it could so easily go into this big epic like you've got to fix the the time portal and the the paradox or something or other and then there's all the no it's about saving people giving second chances putting things right and it wasn't just about saving the race car driver's dad it was also about saving Jeffrey because Ben could have easily just destroyed the computer and then bought them some more time. But the right thing to do was to save him. And by getting him to help save that driver, you hit two birds with one stone. You know, it was really about the people. Yeah. And, and that's, that's again, what, what I loved about because Addison is saying, you know, the most obvious thing, destroy the computer and we're home free. Let's go. And Ben is just like, I can't do that. That's not the right thing to do. It could be the easy thing mm -hmm. to do. We've seen Ben sort of go off the reservation a couple of times saying, well, I know what Ziggy says, but I, this is what I have to do. And I think this might have been one of the most effective uses of that, of him trusting his gut and realizing that there could be more good to be done. If I don't rescue him, there's no chance that he could still do some good. At least if I try, something good might come of it. So yeah, there is an easier way. Destroy the computer, destroy his hopes and dreams, set him back so that he never becomes the man that he became, never becomes our nemesis. But to, at what cost? Even if it's someone that, that it's destroying us, at what cost, you know? If he destroys that computer, then he becomes the thing that Gideon thought that he was. It wasn't about helping people. It was about destroying things or saving themselves or whatever. But that's he even said that to Gideon at the beginning, that it's not about power. It's not about any of this stuff. you know. So I think that was driving the point home that it was about helping people and doing the right thing. And that brings us back to sort of the heart of Quantum Leap. It kept the spirit of the show alive. It wasn't just an adventure time travel puzzle. It was based on all the tenets that we have grown to love about Quantum Leap that are cornerstones of the philosophy of the series. And it's nice to see Ben embody that as he leaps instead of just looking for a ready solution. Because I was just ready for him to destroy the computer. I didn't think that he was going to do that turnaround and say, no, we need to save Jeffrey too. So it was a nice twist for me. I figured they had to do it uh, to to not destroy the computer and save Jeffrey because at that point Jen had died and I'm like all right so when are they going to do the reset? So, yeah, so I knew that, that was she's coming too. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like okay, I, I know that they're going to to go in this direction, but it was still nice to see because it was it was nice to see the characters are good people and to see a nice payoff even if you know kind of where it's going because you don't know exactly where it's going, you just kind of have a vague idea. And, uh, and and I felt like it, it felt in the spirit of Quantum Leap 
uh, in many ways. It was nice. They had that scene where Ben is kind of talking to God, time, fate, or whatever. I don't know if anybody can hear me, but if you're listening, I could really use some help right now. It felt nice because it wasn't just, you know, let's stop and talk to God, or this is going to have some big divine intervention or whatever. It was just felt like maybe there's some other force at work. Um, and Magic even references that. He says, like, maybe there's some other force at work that's leading us in this direction. And again, everything bending towards that greater good. Yeah, the greater good. That's Magic's version of GTF dubs, which which yeah. I like. It all it all fits in nicely. I want to talk a little bit about uh, that, that code and Hannah's her theory about time being a river, but then there are also fixed points in time. And basically, I think what they were trying to hammer home there was that Ben and Addison are two such fixed points. They're really doubling down on the Ben-Addison relationship dynamic here as being a cornerstone of what makes Quantum Leap successful. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not really sure how well that that played out. I think they wanted that for the emotional beat to give it more resonance than we, we've seen since season one, actually since like episode one, quite frankly. They go back to episode one and also, I guess, the finale of last season two. Oh, yeah. This was uh, the most I've cared about Addison and Ben in a long time, as a couple, I mean, because like it, they introduced the Tom stuff and there was a lot of angsty stuff. And uh, it, there were times where it just felt like it, it just wasn't working. And there were other times where it did. But, you know, it, seeing them as a couple romantically, we talked about this, like, why are we so invested in like Hannah and Ben? And why did we care about certain things, but not others? And I felt like this episode really had a lot of moments that made you believe that they loved each other, that it was a... a Something that outlasted time, timeless, their love. Yes. <laughs> love is timeless. And I felt it, you know? I was like, oh my gosh, yes. When she, like, she headbutts that guy <laughs> for pointing the gun at her, like, she's like, I don't care. We're going to get Ben home. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> do it. It was great. I like the way they brought all of those elements together, how they wove all of that stuff into the current narrative. And, you know, Hannah did keep her promise. She got Ben home because home was a person to him. Yeah. She is not his destiny. And I guess because to him, it's been seven leaps. It's been, what, a week and a half that he's known Hannah. It's been seven hairstyles for her. Right. For her, it's 25 30 plus years. years. Passed and yeah. she's not aged a day. That's great. <laughs> I love it. I love it. She just gets better hairstyles. But uh, <laughs> it's good because it shows you that Hannah has the benefit of time and contemplation and really understanding what her role in this all is because she says to Ben, you only cross my path when I can help you, when you need help from me. It's not about you helping me. It's about me helping you. And I had never really realized that, but she's absolutely right. Whenever she's there, it's somehow instrumental to Ben solving the leap. So even though he's going all puppy dog eyed and goo goo gaga over her and they do have a connection, it's not about that. It's once again about putting these pieces in motion to propagate the greater good and to make sure that ultimately Quantum Leap continues on with her formula, with everything that happens with Jeffrey and the chip and it's all part and parcel of some kind of larger guiding force. And uh, I like that about it because it's somewhat subtle. It's there if you want it to be there, but it doesn't have to be. It's just the way I choose to interpret it. But uh, it all works thematically however you decide to look at it, in my opinion. Yeah. I love that scene of her and Addison together 
where she's giving the formula to her, uh, the DARPA code or whatever, and um, and she's talking to her even though Addison can't speak back to her, like they, they're not seeing or hearing each other, but like they're still having a connection there as people. Mm. And I felt like Addison and Hannah had this great connection, even though they couldn't communicate to each other that way. And uh, I thought that was really nice. And I liked when Addison asked Ben to thank her. They talked about what they were doing uh, with this storyline, that they didn't want it to be a bunch of, you know, petty love drama, whatever stuff, like you'd be adults about this. Mm -hmm. And it was nice because it felt like Addison and Hannah really cared for each other. So it didn't feel like there was any of that weird resentment or jealousy or anything. Like everyone was just kind of working together. Even Addison says, I think we were all looking out for each other. You know, I think in some way we were all watching over each other. Yeah. And that's, again, another one of those touchstones of Addison maybe realizing that there's bigger wheels turning here. And all we have is one another and we need to look out for one another to make it yeah. all go the way it should go. I, I like that too. Again, that spoke to my GTFW stuff. So I'll get off that broken record. How about that code though? It turns out to be what they're calling a swap code. Uh, isn't that essentially what Sam had already figured out in the leap back? Four years ago, my first leap was targetless, subject to a whim of fate. Since then, I think my subconscious has been working on the problem because I now know how to hit the bullseye. I can leap into Al. They don't have records of anything <laughs> from the old project. They, they even say in this episode, there was no record of any of this. How would there not be any record? I don't know. Wouldn't Al talk about it? Or I don't that's, know. That's a separate question for me. It just seems weird. They don't have records of anything. So the, anything that Sam had figured out swapping people or leaping into someone else or whatever, assume it's lost. Well, yeah, but I love that because it also still makes Sam the smartest leaper in the room or out of the room or or anywhere because basically he said, I must have worked it out subconsciously because I now know how to hit the target. So that means <laughs> Sam, while leaping without even really thinking about it, figured out how to do what Hannah spent a lifetime doing under DARPA secret uh, agency, you know, hush hush work. And it's just like, yeah, he's like, yeah, I figured it out. I wasn't thinking about it, but oh, it's so obvious to me. I now. mean, <laughs> did Hannah? <laughs> figure it out because it didn't actually work how they said it would anyway. Yeah. Now, could it be, could it be that, um, hmm, let me think about that. It worked somehow because they're together. Yeah, I guess it connected them in some way. I don't know. They're the fixed points in time brought together. We can speculate on that. I want to save that a little bit towards the end because there's, that opens up a, a whole can of worms. But I just I, – again, it was another way because they had so many different little callbacks to the Legacy series in this with the hand link and with Beth and with the theme that this code just turns out to be the code that we saw in The Leap Back. And I don't know that it's a deliberate nod, but it was a nice nod for me for them to make me think of Sam again. It was the code from Leap Back? Or I, it, it, essentially, to me, it is. This is my headcanon. It's not that oh. it is. It seems that Hannah worked on something that Sam had already figured out. Right. Well, you know, how you, you really swap. It's uh, you get struck by lightning and then magic <laughs> happens. And somehow a handling <laughs> can travel in time, time as well. Yes. And then the, the lightning magically transports you. You know, dummy Ben didn't think of that, huh? <laughs> Lightning. I remember a big bolt just as we leaped. I have a non sequitur. I <laughs> I enjoyed um Gideon's evil feety pajamas. He had an evil Fermi suit because yes, it was black. It. Like he's like, I'm not wearing the white ones, I'm evil. <laughs> 
and I enjoyed that. I was so excited. I was like, yes, evil feety pajamas. <laughs> and it was just great. I enjoyed the scoring and the tension and the pacing of the entirety of, of that moment where Gideon is preparing to get into the accelerator and they're trying to save the race car driver. And these like two moments at different periods of time are still coming together into that moment where he saves Jeffrey. Yeah. Yeah. And this, um, again, cements how the time travel works on the show because it happens after the events in the leap. So, I, yeah. you know, I had been going back and forth of, well, if, if it was this way, it should have been this way the whole time. But then I say, idiot, Quantum Leap is about making these changes. So it's nice for them to slap me around and say, see, remember, it's about someone affecting a change on a leap and then it happens in the future. <laughs> Not that it's yeah. always been that way. So I thought that that was, that was a fantastic moment too. And uh, I, I, gotta, I gotta be honest with you. I was a little afraid of the whole Gideon thing and I didn't know how I was going to feel about the way it was going to end. I didn't know how it was going to end, but the second Gideon swoops in with armed guards, like literally <laughs> holding like four civilians at gunpoint with apparent carte blanche to murder them if he wants to. Yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, that's where I kind of it, it took me out of the story just a little bit. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, he shows up with all the guns, and I'm like ridiculous. But they had a, a good payoff to everything, and his like secondhand uh, lady that was with him, I don't remember her name, but the one with the short hair that he's yeah. it's kind of her second in command, his second in command. Um, it seemed like I feel like the actress kind of came up with a backstory for herself like that she was in love with him because it felt like you know when he's talking about getting the accelerator and she's like no it's too dangerous and then he goes like she's looking like no don't <laughs> do it i love you and i love that i was like i i hope that there was some unrequited love going on between those two all right because it was pretty cool maybe when when jeffrey visits the project next season because he's their best friend and biggest benefactor and they're married she'll, yeah she'll be his wife they're together oh they're, my they're god together. so Happy ending for these two. <laughs> uh, I I really did enjoy James Frain in this. Uh, I know I was kind of like, well, he's kind of hammy, but I wasn't bored. So we'll see how it goes. You know, I wasn't like, oh, what's going on at the project? But this time I was like, yeah, like I felt he was really threatening. He had a good presence. When he shows up on the leap and Ben sees him and they have that little conversation, you just feel like that good tension there. Mm. And it was nice that they had the reveal of the letter and Ben was so taken aback by it. But it also, it kind of reminded me of something that Deborah said when uh, she had been doing her commentary with Albie. She said that uh, when she was directing James, she, she directed him to be childlike, be more childlike. And I guess maybe that was a signal that, okay, this is, this is Jeffrey, if you knew what you were looking for. But why? Because he was a child once, he's a perpetually a child. Is that why? <laughs> I guess it's just like foreshadowing. I don't know. He's stuck. He's stuck in his childish ways. He never let go of his childish. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's the idea. I I kind of get that characterization, you know. But to be like, you'll find out why when you find out you're Jeffrey. It's like, okay. <laughs> but I guess, like, I mean, I I liked the characterization, and I liked that he was a, a threatening presence, and he was smart, but he also like his flaw was that. He was so stuck on this uh, revenge that he became undone, I guess. It was not a mistake that Ian was quoting Wrath of Khan when they were trying to decode the formula before they got the missing pieces from Hannah. It tasks me. It tasks me and I shall have it. 
I'll chase it round the moons of Nibia, round the Antares Maelstrom. Did you just quote Moby Dick to that equation? No, Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan. I love that Hannah's formula, when it's visually represented, looks like a Starfleet Delta. That was something else. <laughs> So it was a nod to all the Trekkies out here. You know what? We were laughing. Uh, my husband, he was like laughing when he heard Ian quoting Rathacon because he knew immediately it was Rathacon before yeah, they yeah. even said it was. I didn't know offhand. I've really? seen Rathacon, but like, and I was like, oh, I see. <laughs> I would say about 85% of the audience was quoting it right along with them because that is like one <laughs> oh, of yeah, the most iconic Trekkie lines in Rathacon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So from Hell's Heart, I step it. <laughs> All the James Frain fans, too. Yeah, exactly. So it kind of ties in the, the Sarek stuff with disco. And... and then you had the faith of the heart, and it all came together. <laughs> oh, now I have to drop in the theme. Okay, I won't do that to, I won't do that to everybody. I'll put an Archer's theme instead. No, you got to do faith of the heart. <laughs> all right, all right. We'll do it, we'll do it when we go out to break. <laughs> okay. Here's one thing that if we get back to the Janice Beth storyline in this and how Janice reveals Sam's intervention in Beth and Al's marriage, Beth apparently remembers Sam's intervention, which blows a hole in my theory that Leaping has himself, once Sam leaves, he'll be forgotten like Stoppa was forgotten by everybody in the bar in Kochberg. I'm pretty sure that we talked about this in like the second episode of the new show when Beth first showed up that she referenced the fact that she knew. But so I'm trying to I, I don't remember what we said. That was a long time ago, Alison. We've done a lot of shows between then and <laughs> But then yeah, and I think so. but I think her talking to magic, I mean, like I think they did reference that in those scenes. That Sam directly came in as himself and then disappeared? I think we talked to Susan D all about that and she talked about like meeting Sam and, and we talked about the fact that she knew and that was new information that it, like it confirmed some things for us. All right. I got, I got to go back and listen, I guess. But I mean, it's all new to me again here, just watching now because that was over <laughs> a year ago. Everything old is new again. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just wondering in what way does she remember? How does, did she remember anything about MIA or the original timeline or is it all just, you know, because Al told her? And I guess Al would be the only one that would remember, right? Yeah, I mean, they never said how it would work with Sam leaping as himself. You're the one saying that he's like Strapa or whatever, yeah. but like, you know, they, they never said how it was supposed to work, so. No, granted, granted, that's, that's, that's my pet theory. That's my pet theory. Yeah, well, I guess your pet theory was wrong. Shut up, shut up, you. <laughs> What's your pet theory? <laughs> there was the part in uh, part one of this uh, where... Um, at the end, Ben leaps out of the firefighter and then he's like, huh, where am I? And I'm like, if he doesn't remember anything, why does he like sue the building people for negligence or why does he do any of this stuff? Because he never experienced anything. It's just one of those things, I guess it's always been with Quantum Leap. It's like, I feel like they have to remember what they need to remember because otherwise it doesn't really make sense, the things that have been changed. Yeah, um, what I'm thinking of is that since it's their first leap, so to speak, like when they come back or when, when Ben leaves them, maybe they, they experience the same initial Swiss cheese effect that Ben did in this build of the project, but it'll eventually start coming back to them. But in that moment, they're jarred, so they're, they're a little bit disoriented. That's the way I choose to look at it. 
But yeah, it's 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 a question. I guess you have to headcanon something, yeah. My whole book was headcanoning what happens. So, I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, uh, so that that's a that's something that I can headcanon all day and something that's near and dear to my heart, what happens when they come back. And I guess w- this is one of the few times we've seen it in the show, that and Frankie, when Frankie came back in... in um, yeah. Yeah, from the dawn. And the same thing happened then. It was like, where am I? What's yeah, going on? yeah. He thought he was back in the attic, having just made it with Ter- Teresa. Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> you think like that firefighter came back and he's like, ah, why do my legs hurt so bad? <laughs> that, like that hard landing on the ledge when Ben jumps and misses and has to catch himself. It's like, Ee. yeah, that when he's, you know, why do I have second degree burns all over every exposed part of my skin? Because we ran through like six fires on the way out. <laughs> Ben was a superstar in these episodes. He was so cool. He got so many speeches. He got to like be action man. He got to be funny man. They had the bit where he races the car out and and then the like music starts playing and Addison's like, punch it. And it's like, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it was such good energy. That was Highway Star by Deep Purple, by the way. And um, it was great. Yeah, I mean, especially in the first episode in As the World Burns, the tense action and drama of that, just just the leap stuff itself, never mind all the bigger pictures. Yeah, they had like the cool slow-mo of him in the firefighter gear holding Hannah, taking her out of the fire. Yeah! I mean, he's, he's just such a hero in the episode. Yeah. They give him his action pose moments and the slow-mo, like you said. And it's more effective for me, too, because I don't know if you know this about me, but I cannot stand ledges. Like, I, if I'm on, I don't mind heights, but if I'm like on a hotel balcony, I can't really go to the edge and lean on it because it puts a funny feeling in my stomach like I get afraid oh yeah me too that's scary yeah and I can't even like go on a ferris wheel because you sort of it's basically being on a giant ledge up in the sky and uh-huh. this is I'm, I'm a guy who's, I've gone skydiving I don't care about heights I really don't but just something about ledges like get me so when they're out on that ledge like what price Gloria does this to me too if anybody's out on a ledge it's gonna get me so now you know my Achilles heel if you want me to be invested in somebody's drama <laughs> put them on a freaking ledge <laughs> put them on a ledge <laughs> Uh, it w- it was tense and it felt like um, large scale because they were outside of the building. Like, you know, it was uh, a lot of good effects going on. And oh, it was fantastic. Yeah, it was really cool. And I liked the the plot uh, of that first one with the, the fire in the building They because it reminded me of the movie Towering Inferno, which they even reference at the end. Like, oh, this big movie is going to come out. Yeah, yeah, that was one of the Easter eggs. Yeah, because these the big name disaster movies where they have a million celebrities for some reason are very watchable to me. So it's like I was into it. And I was trying to figure out what year was the firefighter leap in. And then I said, oh, wait, he's referencing Towering Inferno, which is also referencing the original series. Let me see when Towering Inferno came out. So I said, okay. (laughs) Yeah, it was 74. But like they also in the press releases, they said what year it was. But again, I I don't know if they said in the episodes exactly what year, but I think it was maybe 74 and 76. There was like a couple year difference or something. Yeah, it was 74 for the first one, 76 for the second one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But but what I loved is that, okay, so while Ben is there saying this movie is going to come out, you know, maybe Sam is somewhere off being a stuntman at that very moment. <laughs> he was the stuntman for what, Earthquake? Was, the one was it Earthquake? Was I thought it was Towering Inferno. It was Earthquake? It was Earthquake, but it was in the episode Disco Inferno. Okay. I thought that the <laughs> that movie featured was another Inferno movie too. with a, with a okay. fire. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> 
All but right. uh, yeah, definitely they were both referencing. He was also a, a, a stunt man with a stunt father, kind of like the race car father and the race car son. I do love that they set up this race car plot like a sort of like, not a filler episode, but an average episode, you know, where you're like, oh, okay, he's got heart problems and he's going to convince him not to race or whatever. And then Gideon shows up and you're like, what the hell's going on? You got this car chase and you got like convincing the kid and you got the takeover at the project and you got people dying and all this other stuff. And then in the end, they still got to go back and save the race car dad. Which is great because it needed to be a very simple plot for the leap. There's all this other stuff going on, but it didn't feel secondary because the plot hinged on saving the dad and saving uh, Jeffrey. Yeah, and and that's kind of what I said at the outset. With all of these bigger elements in play, at the end of the day, at the end of each episode, it came down to solving the leap. And that was the key to everything else being unlocked. That was the magic bullet to bring all of this stuff together. Which to me, it's phenomenal because the show has lost its way in the past, especially with, with the Leap Rex stuff and, and all that. It, it kind of lost focus of what made Quantum Leap, Quantum Leap, you know, Leap, yeah, yeah. Leap. <laughs> yeah. So the fact that everything was grounded, not only in Leaps this season, but solid character work as opposed to cheap plot tricks is, I think, another reason why we're both so jazzed about these episodes because it's a genuine payoff. Yeah, it was a genuine payoff to a lot of stuff. The thing with uh, Janice's imaging chamber uh, really annoyed me because they spent so much time setting up the story arc in season one and they get to the imaging chamber and they make such a big deal out of it. And the only thing she does is try to contact Ben in the Halloween episode. And then later she's caught like they do nothing with it. And so it felt like, why did we waste our time with this? Why they make such a big deal if there was, he didn't do anything with it, but there was a payoff in this episode. So it felt like you didn't waste your time with that. It felt like they, they made better versions of things that didn't work so it felt like it cohesively came together as a whole, like the the entire show. Yeah, yeah. And did you notice what she said before they got into the imaging chamber? She said, "I fixed, oh, I made it work I, this time." Yeah, I fixed. I fixed, <laughs> you're I fixed some like of the glitches a demon or whatever. Exactly. I'm not gonna. I'm, you're not gonna pop in looking like a like a demon from hell. You're so. not gonna smoke out of the <laughs> ground or whatever, and then <laughs> whatever the hell was going on. You're not gonna play on Ben's uh, greatest fears. You know those classic glitches. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when the hologram looks like something else. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the design of the the imaging chamber was slightly different than the last time we saw it too. I feel like the last time it was a little more colorful. Like it looked fine anyway, but I feel like they changed the design just slightly. Yeah, and also, I mean, they might be able to sweeten it more in post when the episode finally shows, so. Yeah, I don't think it looked bad or anything. Not it just great. felt like the design was slightly different. I think like everything really worked. Here's the funny thing. I mean, we talk about, I guess, uh, for people who don't know, we got some early, early access screeners to make sure that we would be able yeah. to, uh, to to do these shows on time. And as a result, they were, quote, not polished. But to me, they seemed almost completely done. I mean, they were phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. There were some green screen shots that weren't quite finished, uh, but mostly it seemed finished to me. And uh, I'm really grateful that they gave us access. And uh, if anyone's listening, thank you yeah. um, the, for giving us access. And, and they've just been so kind and generous with their time and sharing resources. And, you know, they didn't have to do that, like give us access to this. But it was really nice that they did it. And they've always been really nice to us and, uh, and to the fans. 
Yeah, I especially want to thank Drew Lindo. I think he was on the phone with NBC and Albie at the same time saying, I'm, oh I'm trying gosh. to make this work. I'm trying to make this work. We'll get I it. was like, why is he even <laughs> talking to us right now? He's got so much going on. But the fact that he like made that time, like it was just really nice of him. Yeah, he's a great guy. And, uh, you know, we'll be hearing what he has to say about the episode. But uh, I again, for all that. I, I feel like none of that stuff stood out because the character work and the foundation for everything we were seeing were so solid. I was just completely swept up in the story. Like I didn't even really oh, yeah. notice notice any of it until the second viewing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like even though there were some parts during that big finale where um, everyone's coming together by the makeshift uh, imaging chamber mm. and then some shots are finished and some shots aren't. So it would like cut between finished shots and then green screen and other stuff. It didn't distract me from the emotion of the scene. Not at all. Like I still felt it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's also because we have everybody coming together, the legacy cast yeah. and the new cast. And that was a, a wonderful moment, I think, for the series overall, old and new. It was yet another way yeah. to bridge the two together in a way that was really heartfelt. Everyone was holding hands, the wind blowing in their hair. Beth made them sandwiches. <laughs> I wish so that good. they would have something more for Beth to do besides coming to say, who's hungry? I <laughs> loved that Beth came in and she's like, I am going to make sure everyone is fed. I'm going to take care of them. And even when she didn't really know what was going on, she's like, I don't know what's happening, but it sounds bad. <laughs> but I love that she was there. And I love like the just the mom energy of like, I, I don't know what's going on, but I have some, some sandwiches for everyone. And Ian's like, I could eat. I, I, I could eat. <laughs> yeah, that was a nice moment. It was good. But I'm sitting the whole time. Maybe it's my nursing bias because I'm married to a nurse. Beth is a trauma nurse. Like, I think that she would be a little bit more business, 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 not like, let's make some iced tea. <laughs> well, no, she, she didn't have to be business, business, but she could like, I don't know, help with maybe like at the end when they're like, uh, how do we save the race car driver? And like Ben immediately has this idea, but you could have had Beth maybe like, oh, here's something that you could do or whatever. She's got the medical knowledge. But I don't think it was, it wasn't distracting that she didn't. There was a lot of stuff going on. No, yeah, that's, that's a Chris problem. That's a Chris problem. Yeah, what she contributed was fine. When I keep bringing up the sandwiches, I bring it up affectionately. I love that she did that. It was very good. Uh, I love that we didn't have Tommy Westfall in this episode, but he was there in spirit, smiling yes. up handsomely from his ID card on an RC car, which for some reason Janice had an RC car in there. Well, that was that was uh, Al's car that Beth was working on in the first in when we first saw her. Remember, she was out in the in the driveway working. So that was a model of the car that Al had. Why, why did why did she have a model of his car? Who knows? Because it was Dad's stuff. Didn't you see the box? It said Dad's stuff. Oh no, I didn't. I love it even more now. I didn't notice. I love. Okay, I'm sorry. We have new. We have new Al lore that he yeah. he had a model of his own car, like a little RC car, and yeah, he's just uh -huh. like, I'm gonna have a little version too. <laughs> yes, it's a dead scary. I assume that the car was in there and the hand link was jumbled in there somewhere as well. Okay, all right. I love that. With a couple of old cigar boxes and okay. maybe his his flight wings, you know. You know what? I love it. There's more stuff to love. It was very good. I love that Jen took that and then had little Tommy Westfall's uh, ID card and then traps getting in the elevator and all that stuff. And then Jen, 
uh, has to sacrifice herself for everyone else. <sighs> yeah. Um, Getting cold-blooded. And again, that's another thing that took me out. It's like, or, you know, you could have shot her in the leg and then just uh, subdued her. No, no. If you're gonna, you know that if you know that you're gonna reverse everything anyway, go hard, right? <laughs> like, yeah. I thought for a second when they were all holding hands and the wind's blowing through their hair, and then all the like Gideon's guys come in, and you know this is just before the butterfly effect happens, and it's all gonna be reversed anyway. That maybe like Gideon's guys would be like take their like automatics out and just blow everyone away. <laughs> like you just see like Beth and magic. <laughs> <laughs> like big slow motion, like just like yeah, the pull and strike. slaughter them completely, but as it like fades to white and you come back to the, the change timeline. <laughs> you think it would have been too far, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> sort of changed the tenor of the show, really raised the stakes. I mean, but... be like, I don't know. I mean, I guess it was a better ending. They saved them, but why did they do that? This is like something out of uh, <laughs> like a Zack Snyder movie, right? With with the ramp speed and the slow-mo. Yeah. yeah, it's Reservoir Dogs. They all shoot each other down and everyone's dead on the floor. No, I thought like uh, that killing Jen, uh, I thought that was like, I like that part of it because it showed how far that she was willing to go. You saw how heartbroken especially Ian was that they lost her and they had some real stakes. And it really, um, it made you understand where Addison was coming from more when she's like, Ben, just destroy this computer. Like, he did all this stuff and he killed Jen. Like, she really has, like, a, an axe to grind against him this time in, in how she wants to approach things. And uh, it made the decision seem like it would be harder for Ben, even though he doesn't have any conflict about it. He's like, this is not the right thing to do. And this is this is where we need to go with this. Yeah. And, and his logic was, if I save him, I'll change it anyway. Yeah. Like, he's like, what, what is this going to do? Like, you're not going to be helping him by just delaying the inevitable or delaying that. I guess it's not the inevitable. But by destroying this computer, I'm just leaving him bitter and I'm giving him reason to be bitter, you know, like, but he ended up saving him. I think another byproduct of all of this was that it finally gave Jen more of a purpose in the episodes and it gave Nan Rissa a chance to shine a bit, be a little bit more commanding yeah. in her scenes, be a little bit more um, instrumental in what was going down instead of just being a dialogue sounding board. Yeah, I did. I did think she had a lot of stuff to do. That was another reason I thought it was kind of a shame the reversal at the end because she was the head of the project for like half a day, <laughs> and then like all that stuff got changed. But you know, she she's in charge. Like I do like that she's laying her foot down. Like I can't do uh, any of this stuff because people are watching, and we're not going to screw this up for them. Right. Um, Magic's seat isn't even cold yet, and Ian's like, "Hey, what if you start?" breaking the rules and doing this stuff. Okay, so can't you get it unredacted? You think I haven't tried that already? I've gone through every official channel I could think of, save hacking in and doing it myself. Which, now that you mention it. Ian, you dunce! You ever learn, Ian? You know, this is what got us here in the first place. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, magic's gone? Anyway, uh, Jen, can you... <laughs> can you do sneaky, sneaky, breaky, breaky? <laughs> yeah, Jen's like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I did like Jen going like, oh, yeah, this is your first time committing treason or doing this or whatever. <laughs> You're all about to engage in treason against the U.S. government. First time. <laughs> yeah, that was cute. That was cute. It shows you how widely different these characters are, but you still somehow feel that they belong together. 
So it was doubly nice to see everything reset at the end. So I have questions about the reset again. We were talking about it in the beginning. Um, what was their timeline that we never got to see that Addison also missed? Will Addison eventually remember both timelines because she was part of it? You know, she had to get into that version of the imaging chamber somehow to walk out of it. Yeah, she. Pro- I, I figure she probably would remember both of them eventually. I, I think that their version of the timeline is just they got the chip and they were able to get back in contact with Ben after that three-year gap or whatever, and then things went business as usual. Like, they just went and saved a, a race car driver, and then none of this Gideon stuff happened. But Hannah's code did. All of Hannah's stuff happened. Yeah, Hannah's code happened. But, I mean, that stuff could happen without... I mean, they could just be like, yeah, well, her son is now one of our biggest donors. So I guess to them, it's just, that's what that is. I want to see the retcon. That's all I want to see. But I'll, you know, it's, it's, it's immaterial. It's immaterial. Well, if they get a season three, maybe we will. Maybe we'll know how that played out. So that ending, eh? Eh. (laughs) Wow. That was unexpected. I really thought it was going to be a leap back thing where she sees Ben and they try to touch and he's the hologram because they were supposed to have swapped. Yeah, I thought at first that he was going to be the hologram too, yeah. Yeah, so when they actually touch... What a good moment. She sees him and then the music starts playing and then they rush over to each other and they can touch hands and they're so excited. And then they hear some explosions or something and then they're like, yeah, and they run together smiling and you're like, ah. I feel like it's going to be a World War II leap if we do get back uh, to season three. That looked like, like London and the Blitz, right? Oh my gosh, stoked. That ending, I was like, oh, it can't end there. I need to know what happens next. I'm so excited to see all the different period hairdos that they're going to give Caitlyn next season. I need to see this. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm excited for Addison to be able to get in the thick of things, you know? Yeah. Not just hologram stuff, but get into the thick of things. I really want to see how this goes. Two leapers where she gets to to be part of the time travel shenanigans, the stuff she trained for, mm-hmm. uh, who's going to be the new hologram, all sorts of exciting things that they can do with this. It's amazing to me the arc that they've given Caitlin throughout this series. They took all that stuff from season one, made it super relevant to this season, season two, and then they bring her to the place that she's always belonged. And it was just such an amazing payoff. I've said this before in the show. I didn't know I needed this payoff until I knew I needed this payoff. (laughs) It it hit home to me the second time I was watching this. And I've, I've discussed this on the show before, but just to refresh people's memories or maybe new listeners, when I am excited to see something, the first time I watch it, I'm so caught up in the details and the sets and the minutia and how does it fit in with everything. And I get overwhelmed with trying to figure it all out and overprocess it. And it's not until I see the movie a second time or the show a second time that I can just sink into it on an emotional level. And my God, um, the last scene had me just like breaking down. It was so good. It was really good. The first time I watched it, I was just caught up in the academia of it. Like, oh, what's happening? How is she leaping? I thought it was a swap code. And where, how has Ben? And I was just like trying to figure all that out. And the credits are rolling. 
today I watched it before we got on mic and I was just like, this is so good. So I would recommend to all of you out there, if you've only seen the episode once or both episodes once, watch it again. I finally figured out why or a big reason why the Ben and Hannah stuff affects me as profoundly as it does. Like the connection that I think they have is Hannah's theme. I love Hannah's theme. The leitmotif is so great. Whenever Eliza gets on screen, they play that theme and I'm immediately, that's it, I'm done. Like, you got me. And it just shows the power of like what, what a good score can do. Yeah, that music's great. And um, it's nice to see Ben and Addison in that place in a way, like you said, Allison, where I don't know if I've ever cared about their relationship before like I do now. It made you really believe it, that it was these lovers that were brought together across time. And they finally had, the, you know, like you could see the just the run of emotions. When she first sees Ben, you see his disappointment because he's just leaped in and realized that he leaped and that he didn't get back home. And then he sees Addison and then they realize that they're there and then the excitement. And then like it, it just is such a beautiful moment. And it made me so excited. And, and I really just I, I believe that this was where it was leading to. Yeah, and I'm I'm just glad that we got the payoff, and it was satisfying to me. I'm glad that I was invested enough in their relationship for me to say, wow, this is terrific, instead of, oh, okay, that's how it ended. Yeah. I want the ending to be, like, amazing, not fine. And they laid so much good groundwork for it to just be an amazing moment. Like, again, a payoff for the entire series, not just this season. Yeah, and if like this turns out to be the last episodes, I think it's a pretty damn good ending. I hope it's not the end, but if it is, they did a really good job having something that would be a satisfying conclusion. Well, I, I love it because, once again, it is in the vein and the spirit of the original where, you know, Dr. Sam Beckett never left home. That means Sam is still out there doing good. And if mm -hmm. this is the last we see of Ben and Addison, they're together and they're doing good. Yeah. So it's a beautiful ending that's perfectly in keeping with the overall series, like the Quantum Leap universe as a whole. So I know I could have put that more elegantly, but I'm getting a little bit emotional thinking about it. Oh, so. you're talking like me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Talk good. It's all good words sometimes. <laughs> no, it was great. And, um, you know, I've been hard on this show, obviously. We've heard this <laughs> In this podcast, um, I wouldn't say it if I didn't mean it. And uh, I think that this, these were excellent episodes and they did a great job bringing everything together. And I felt invested in what was going on. So, yeah, um, Allison, those sound like final thoughts to me. And uh, I want to echo those as well. If this is where the series ends up and we don't get a season three, I think it's a perfect ending for the characters, where they are, where we've left them. I'm really excited for their fate, even if we never get to see it. And man, I can't wait for season three at the same time. So uh, I think it was just a real masterstroke for the position they knew they might be in. And um, congratulations to the cast and the crew and the writing team for really putting a lot of thought into a full season arc and making it pay off using all of your crew to the best of their capabilities and really utilizing all the potential that you had. I think that you, you did it in spades. These two episodes were amazing and um, I would be perfectly happy if it ended here. At the same time, I'm rooting for season three. So 
I think hell that, yeah. Hell yeah. I think that <laughs> wraps up our discussion of As the World Burns and Against Time and of season two of Quantum Leap. But don't go anywhere because when we get back, we will bring you our interview with Drew Lindo. Stay tuned. The QLP is brought to you by listeners like you. Please go to patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast and give as much as you can. For as little as a dollar a month, you can be a contributor to the Quantum Leap podcast. It goes to covering our server cost and helps keep the podcast going. Thank you. If you are trans and experiencing a crisis or you know someone who is, please call Trans Lifeline at 877-565-8860 or visit translifeline.org for help. That number again is 877-565-8860. Or visit translifeline.org for help. This is Raymond Lee, and you are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. I've got faith of the heart. Hey, we're back. We promised you this song. I'm not going to play it because Albie yells at me now. If I put stuff in, then it, we can't monetize the YouTube channel. So. Oh, well, I mean, people don't know that we didn't just play it because we sang it so beautifully. Someone call the copyright police. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, um, we're back. And as promised, here is our interview with Drew Lindo. Hello, Leapers. Welcome back to the Quantum Leap Podcast. I'm Christopher DeFilippis, and today joining me is Allison. Hi, Allison. Hi. And Albie. And we have a very special guest, Mr. Drew Lindo, a producer and writer on Quantum Leap. Drew, welcome back to the Quantum Leap Podcast. I'm really happy to be back. I've been looking forward to this a long time, and this time I get to talk to Allison as well, which is new for me. <laughs> yeah, nice meeting you. Nice meeting you, too. <laughs> It's That's always pretty- it's always a thrill for all of us when we get to talk to Allison. So mm-hmm. we're in that rarefied air. <laughs> she's, she's, she's a celeb. <laughs> so we've, we we invited you back on, Drew, because I don't know if you know this, but uh, the season finale of Quantum Leap has aired and yeah. you were an integral part of that. So we'd love to talk to you about episode 213, which was called Against Time. Uh, you wrote this episode? I did. I did write this episode. Uh, I think I was on set for 206. We were shooting Secret History, and Dean Georgeris, the co-showrunner, called and said, just want to let you know, I'm writing 8 right now, and I, I can't be there around to supervise anything, but um, I want to let you know that Ben and Derek are writing 12, and you're writing 13. And I, my jaw fell off of my face, and I was <laughs> uh, absolutely speechless because I've never had the opportunity to write a finale, a season finale before. Um I wrote a season premiere for a show called Rain on the CW years ago for season four. Um, and I've written some really, like, I've, I've enjoyed writing every episode I get to do, but this, you know, a finale has a lot of uh, expectations and the opportunity for some massive payoffs, which I knew we were headed for. Um, but to get to find ways to make it my own in some ways and I have some authorship was exciting. I also knew that we were heading into a strike. So I was like, I really hope we get to do those back five <laughs> because we have no guarantee <laughs> Uh, what's going to happen uh, and how long the strike will last. So weirdly what happened was um, they were still breaking some episodes in the room while I was shooting episode six. And then suddenly I learned that they were sort of done breaking 
at least those iterations of 10, 11, and 12. And they're like, we're going to start working on 13 now. And I was like, there's two days left in the shoot. So I was, I was like hearing updates of stuff they were thinking about. And, um, and I, you know, we knew certain things needed to happen at the end of the season that, that Dean and Martin had already um, settled on, but we needed to figure out what was the story around that? What was the leap itself? And so when I came back in the room, I was like, I feel like these are all worthy of a whole episode, but we won't have that. You know, the nature of the story is going to be different. And um, somebody said the word race car and my mind just exploded with ideas and, and excitement about a, what a great leap in, but B what a great way to sort of um, uh, attack the, the themes of the season in, in a literal, you know, in a literal race against time. And, and that was the day before the strike, we kind of settled on a shape and then went pencils down for five months and didn't touch or look at anything didn't touch anything in post, you know, and we came back five months later and I, the room got together with Dean and Martin said, here's what we were working on the day before the strike. <laughs> and they were like, that sounds exciting and emotional and, 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 and on point for the story we're telling. And so we just, you know, knocked the whole thing into shape pretty, pretty quickly, honestly, because it's, it, when you, when it feels right, you know, you're in, you're in the right direction. And, and, uh, and I'm really, I'm really amazed. They let me do what I, got to do that episode. It just, there was a lot of stuff where I was like, are they going to let me talk about this or explore this? Cause these are um, not deep cuts, but they're, they're not stuff that we've touched on the best stuff. For example, we haven't really touched on, but it was something I'd always wanted to get into the show. Stuff I talked about with Georgina and Susan on set all the way back. Um, somebody up there likes Ben. So that stuff was all great to get into, but also just to take, um, take everything Ben's been through all season and channel it into like his, Greatest failure becoming his finest hour was a really exciting journey to take him and Addison both on. I, I know it's uh, probably pretty easy when you're on strike to put 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 the pencil down and physically go on strike, but it's probably hard to tell your subconscious mind to stop connecting dots and coming up with ideas because you know your whole life you're coming up with ideas. So uh, did the extra time maybe in the shower uh, connecting dots and solving problems did did that help the writing process eventually? It's hard to say. I think um, I think what more so helped was when we came back we had eight completed episodes completely mixed, color corrected and finished to look at. Normally what we're looking at as we're working are unfinished cuts with temp music, temp ADR, temp effects. And we don't get to see it finished till it airs. So in this instance, we got to come back and look at all eight completed. We knew where we needed to go, but we also could take in what the footage and what the episodes were actually playing like and what our jobs were to sort of swing the pendulum in a new direction for nine to, to 13. So I think it was more just like the clarity of the hindsight of what we'd accomplished and what was successful and what we needed to, to adjust for the, the back half. Um, and the season was already sort of broken up into these three movements. The first movement being the breakup of Ben and Addison. The second movement being Ben trying to make a, a new start and having this new relationship with Hannah. And the third was always going to be uh, the consequences of that. You know, in 206, Tom literally tells Ben, what you're doing is a violation of quantum leap protocol. It can have major ramifications of the timeline. And spoiler, it did. So, um, I think it was fun for us to sort of say, how do we really stick the landing now? And what work do we need to do with these five episodes to take the audience, Ben and Addison and Hannah to this place we want to get to um, more so that. And, um, but the actual, uh, like the, the shape of what the story was going to be in the heart of the story didn't change at all. Hmm. 
you can tell this episode was written by someone who loved the original series and because there's all kinds of like nods to it and Easter eggs. Could you could you share all the stuff you packed into it that we might have saw or we might have missed? Well, I, I don't want to like just throw <laughs> shit around. I don't want to. I, I think that's just weak to just come up and just throw a member. <laughs> no, uh, well, that was a look and leap. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. uh, for the podcast listeners out there, uh, Drew Drew held up Al's remote control car. Yes, I did. From, I held from up the black episode. and white Corvette. I yeah. held up Bingo's car. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what's what's the most fun about this episode? This this show, honestly, in a lot of ways, is. You know, and it was the same thing with Secret History. It's like you write this stuff and then our amazing props and costume departments start making it all come to life and, and make things real. So there was, in the case of that, it was like, what car do you want for the remote control car to be? And I was like, I know exactly what car I'd like this to be. But um, I think it was my rule for everything that I put into the episode was that um, it needed to all serve story here in the present of this iteration of Quantum Leap. So if we had just stopped to like dangle keepsakes or, or, or nostalgia just to stop and do that, it would feel cheap and it would feel exploitative. But what it was great about the story was that everything needed to come full circle. Everything these characters have been through um, and, and the connections between the original series and this new adventure all were going to come to the head. So it felt right to sort of um, tap into the past that was, pa- that was powering the characters' journeys now. And then also things just started happening um, subconsciously. Like I remember we were on... Uh, a production meeting call, and originally in the script, Gideon was going to walk through a parked car uh, and to reveal he's a hologram. And we were doing a production meeting, and our executive producer and, and producing director, Chris Grismer, who did an amazing job with this episode, as he always does. But really, this is a, a movie. This was like Quantum Leap the movie was my intention with it, you know? And he absolutely pulled off an insane schedule with with his usual flair of artistry and heart. But he was like, can the car just drive through Gideon? And immediately I was like, oh, that's, I know what that is. And then 30 seconds later, Deborah Pratt emailed everybody screen grabs from the color of truth just to be like, <laughs> it can look like this. So, you know, there's, there's things like that. And there, But there's also um, fun callbacks to this version of the show as well. You know, and, you know, Ben and Addison are, are back in a car and they're taking off to, to make a getaway. And there's just little moments that are tipping to like, the advantage of this version, which is we can have serialized character development and we can remember where these people have been and they can remember where they've been and that can influence the choices they're making and, and, and the emotional transitions that they're going through. So, you know, there was definitely stuff where I felt like we needed to address uh, that video message Ben left in the pilot, because it's a very romantic notion that I'll find my way back to you, but we all know what show we're watching. And, um, when we talked about the season in the beginning and we talked about Ben, Hannah, Addison, and Tom, the idea of like getting Tom and Addison together only to break them up so she can keep waiting for Ben seemed so wrong to all of us that, that she would just put her whole life on hold and never with us all knowing as writers, that's not going to work out so well because that's not what happens for leapers most times. So this idea that, that we needed to confront that promise that, Ben made that Ben couldn't keep, you know, and admit and acknowledge what Addison has been slowly coming to terms with. And again, like in terms of things that, that connect to the past, you know, I always felt like Janice was doing what she was doing in season one for the reason we talk about in this episode. I feel like, yes, it's her dad's project. Yes. She wants to save quantum leap and killing Addison was meant to destroy quantum leap. And so, yes, she would come back. But if you go back and watch fellow travelers, 
when Jen and Janice first face off in Belize, Jen says, why are you helping Ben? You don't even know Addison. You don't even know her at all. So why are you risking everything to save her life? And Janice does not answer. She doesn't give an answer to that question. So I always wanted to get to this idea of her very existence is tied into this project and what it can do. But on a deeper level, what was amazing was uh, finding this parallel connection between Beth and Addison, that they both have their own MIA story, that they both um, didn't wait for someone and it broke, it just devastated somebody and, and, and life could have gone a completely different way. But Quantum Leap gave Beth a second chance and unbeknownst to Addison, it's going to do it again. And that all felt, again, like totally servicing this adventure and this story for these characters. Um, so when we can do it that way, I'm all for it. And, um, and then there are certain things where I, it wasn't even my call. Like when, when Martin watched the cut, he was like, I've got a musical cue suggestion for the editors. And I was like, are we going to do this? So there was, there was so much energy, excitement and fun and zeal for this episode for people, both who were diehards of the old series, who are more so just new people, new fans, crew members of the show. It felt like, um, the culmination of a two season origin story for Ben and Addison in a way. And that was a really exciting momentum to give the episode that it's all been leading to this, to this moment. It felt like there were so many payoffs to things that were set up in the first season and set up in season two. And it felt like it was a great meeting of, of both of these things and both versions of the show without feeling like it was, just tied to the old series. Like yeah. it was nice that there was all these callbacks, but like you were saying, it was servicing the story for Ben and Addison. Weirdly, it was a lot of stuff I wanted to do um, last season. Like as soon as we introduced Janice's imaging chamber and the Hanlick in three, we all knew as writers, Janice is not the villain of the season, right? She's an antagonist and an obstacle. We know she, you know, so immediately I was thinking this would be great to go back and use these tools uh, if we have to go rogue, because in 21st century quantum leap, we're just waiting for someone to take the keys away and do something selfish with this, this technology. So that was something I always wanted to get to do. And, and, um, and then also, yeah, paying off just Beth and magic's relationship and how the, the complicated history she has with the project was affecting their relationship. But when push comes to shove, if it's in danger, the Calavici family will show up because of the debt they owe the program. So, um, so yeah, I think there's ways to do this stuff that is it's it's a, it's a nice edge with nostalgia. You can you go the wrong direction and you will hit an artery and everyone will be very upset. <laughs> but um, but it, it felt like a celebration and also in a great way um, bringing in an antagonist who can attack the very premise of Quantum Leap that it doesn't that it isn't worth a damn that the way you're doing it is wrong that you know hashtag not my Quantum Leap you know there's something interesting about that and it's, it becomes a battle for the soul of quantum leap itself. And what is it about? What does it really mean? And you're watching our heroes fight against this dark and gritty reboot on screen. It's happening before your eyes, you know, but, but that's exciting, right? To give an, uh, give the show an antagonist with a really strong point of view and to really take an optimist like Ben to the brink of despair and bring him back again is, is a great way to test him. And so we, I just, I'm so happy with how all that came out because I wanted it to be his finest hour in a lot of ways. And I feel like it is. Yeah. It felt large in scope, but it also felt like it was, it, it boiled down to something very simple about what it was about. Um, yeah. And, and it just felt like that was the perfect way to go. It felt cinematic. Thank you um, very much. 
Yeah, that's always the thing too. Like we're trying to do like an, you know, for a modern network audience, there's certain elements of scale and scope we're supposed to give it. But you, if you lose the intimacy of what it's really about, you know, then then it doesn't doesn't feel like quantum leap. So there's something great about, um, you know, feeling like the like in any other movie, we'd have to come up with some sort of like doomsday kill switch, you know. But really, what it's going to come down to is the superpower of quantum leap is always going to be empathy. And, and that is going to be Ben's superpower, just like it was Sam's. And so, but how do we do that in a way that feels climactic? And so, you know, again, I got to give so much credit to Martin and Dean who had such a vision for how to take this season in a new direction from last. And cause last season was like, there was a, a pilot established already that had certain tracks laid out. This season was really, they could make it their baby from the very beginning and, and lay out these journeys. And the apology from Ben to the, younger version of the antagonist was always on, on our checklist and, and the ending for Ben and Addison that was always in the checklist. So when I got my chance to write the finale, it was a question of, well, how do we make this harder? And Ben has given many a speech just like Sam did, but what if that's not enough? And what if the only way to really change everything and, and to, and to really change the future is not just to sh- tell him what quantum leap is, but to show him and to involve this kid in it. And that felt like a really powerful uh, means of communicating the message of the show, but also a powerful means of exploring, you know, the predicament of a fatherless boy who needs some some guidance and some wisdom and some um, care, you know. And and that's the point in time where Ben can actually make that can crack through at this moment in time. And that's how we engineered the whole season. Like the reason we're in the seventies for these last two is all about that boy. And, um, and I was just so proud of, of, you know, Wyatt, especially who, like every episode, you're, you're relying on your guest cast to come in and be a part of the success of the show. We're only as successful as material and the talent we get to come in and play with, with Raymond every week. And, um, I, I was kind of amazed quite honestly that James and Wyatt really felt like the same person. You know, they really, when you went from face to face, you were like, this is the same guy. So it's, it's kind of amazing that Ben's big face off of James, that's one, one big scene, but it feels like he's still in battle with the same character all the way through the rest of the, of the episode. I think one of the big strengths of it, though, when you say the cinematic scope and there's just so much going on, so many moving parts, a lot of big story. At the end of the day, all of it hinges on completing the leap and was that a very conscious decision? I Because what it did, it served to ground the episode back into the heart yeah. of what I think Quantum Leap is. And I'm curious to know, when you're putting this together, do you have to confer with um, Benjamin and Derek because they're coming before? It's almost sort of like a two-parter because the story is so contiguous, even though it's two different leaps, yeah. there are through lines in both yeah. episodes that that carry it all the way through it really is like one finale so what's that process like that's a great question because as you know we didn't know it was going to be a two-part finale event when we were writing these episodes but we knew we knew what 12 and 13 would would do for one another that there were there were clues in 12 that we would refer to in 13 so i definitely reach out to ben and Derek earlier than normal is say, do you have a draft that I can read just so I'm letting Gideon reference the right stuff that, that I need to be accurate. And then, 
And then there were a couple of things where I was like, oh, you should probably pull this out because you don't want him to know if it's been quite yet and yada, yada. But really it was about like, what stuff do you have there? And then there were interesting challenges too, right? Which is they had been saving this boy's life. And I was like, well, how does that square with his origin story? You know, and then I realized, well, it's still Ben's fault, right? Like they didn't want to be there. He didn't want to be there. It's your fault I'm here. So there were, there were really important blocks that needed to go into this, this big Jenga tower from Ben and Derek's. And then, um, and then you can always, what's great about our collaborative process is I can say, Hey, it would really help if you, you know, left this out or put this back in or whatever it is that would help this one, which is not a fair ask usually, but for the finale, you get, you get a little bit of grace. Um, so yeah, we, we worked a little bit like that, but we didn't prep them like a double header or we didn't, there's the production was very separate except for the way we shot the pieces of the flashback stuff. So for example, what was really a fun challenge for 213 is we were shooting pieces of it before the script was ever finished. So while 209 was being filmed, I had to write up the Hannah Josh flashback scene and we had to go film it on location while nine was being filmed. So we had an outline for 13, but we didn't, the script wasn't finished yet. So I went out there and Chris was there and shot that scene. And then, um, you know, we had, we knew our turnaround time was going to be super tight for VFX. So Addison stepping into the chamber was filmed before they ever saw the finished script. So we were once again, like last year with those, those three leaps in the hyperleap, we were once again, sort of uh, planning ahead to pull off something impossible. Cause as you may have, may not have heard, we turned this episode in like two days, three days before it airs, like as a finished file. So um, all that planning paid off and it was, it felt all sewn together. And then on a really weird level, and I'm not sure if you've talked to Ben and Derek yet, um, and this is just like fun movie god fate, but 212 was timing under and 213 was timing over just on page count and then on actual screen time. And so, and I was worried, what's going to come out? Like, is the Beth and Janice stuff going to come out? How are we going to make it to 42 minutes? And then our solution, part of the solution was we moved one of the, like the first HQ scene of 13 into the end of 12. So it be, like the 12 got a banger of a cliffhanger and we both got to keep our run times and, and do all the scenes that we, that we had in mind. So it's it's interesting. Once it became a two parter, it got even more enmeshed with one another in, in a weird play, in a weird way. More than just the two parter, um, since you had control of the finale, did that give you more of a, like interest in uh, following the Hannah and Ben and Jeffrey storyline all the way through the season? And and what was your input on that, if any? Um. Well, what was really interesting about this season was that when it started, um, we were still making season one. So uh, I was on set producing episodes other writers had written while the room was already working on season two. So I kind of felt a little, um, I was playing catch up in the beginning of season two, like, uh, what about this? And we're actually going to do this. And so the Hannah stuff and the um, the time jump, that was all stuff that Dean and Martin were, were settling on and working through the room. And I was popping in and going back to set to, sh to shoot the airplane episode. And it was like, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll, I'll contribute in some way at some point, you know? And then I got six and six became something really special for me in a lot of ways. Um, and one of those was like to really make the audience and Ben fall in love with or connect with Hannah in a major way as, as a major player in the season. So that was a great moment because I felt a, a little bit more ownership over my contributions to the show, but also it became a really nice template for their bond going forwards and, and, a, and a critical like memory for both of them. And, and so I think by getting that episode and 13, I got to sort of 
you know, co-author some of this stuff in a deeper way than I did in the first half because of, of scheduling and, and getting ahead of the strike and stuff. And, and I definitely felt like we, um, the back five were almost more complex than Ben and Hannah. That's, that was the middle chapter. And the third chapter was going to be the consequences of some of those decisions and the way that Addison and Hannah's bond would reveal itself in a really beautiful and profound way. So really for me, it was more about like, how are we going to take care of all of these characters and get them to the finish line in a way that will feel satisfying as opposed to jarring. And the good news of that is when you have really talented showrunners who are smart about those things too, they're spot checking the episodes ahead of you. So Dean was way on point with, hold on a second, let's look at these episodes and make sure that we're getting the right character development and moving at the right trajectory so they can arrive at, at this amazing finish line we have planned. And so uh, it's a collaborative medium. Like we are, we're all doing this together and, and there's great ideas people had for this episode and even for six that weren't mine, but like, but, but aided the vision that I had for both of them and the way they're supposed to feel. And, uh, and I'm, I'm just amazed that we pulled it off because we would have loved more episodes if it hadn't been for the strike, maybe we've gotten more and we could have done more, you know, more Ian in the hologram chamber, more, more, more Jen, more, more fun stuff. Uh, but we only had these five. So we really had to focus on Ben and Addison and how Hannah is moving from, you know, this new love affair to the, the bridge between their points in time. But you get more of that in season three. <laughs> more different hologram stuff I'm just saying season three <laughs> exactly. we're gonna need a new person in there so there'll be lots of rock paper scissors in season three you know <laughs> sure <laughs> but i think it was it was done uh very well because when i got done watching the finale it surprised me how much this season was addison's story and how well you gave her a through line that you know it connected all the way back to the pilot yeah and Oftentimes, you know, you're so invested in that journey with Ben that you worked in so much stuff with Addison this season to give her like a true arc. She's not just the hologram. She's not just the pining girlfriend. And I mean, she really comes into her own as a character in this. So what was it like working on those elements of the script? Because you have so many competing needs. You you have to do the Ben stuff. You have to do the action stuff. You have to do the arc stuff. So it's like. When, when you're thinking about, okay, we need to really approach this and take care of uh, Caitlin's character, what were, what were the guiding principles for that? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely correct that, that, you know, 13 reveals in many ways what Addison's story has been all season, right? And, um, and so every scene that you're writing needs to service that reveal and service that journey. So even, you know, that's part of why I, I felt like I could make the Beth and, and, and Janice backstory really work is it, it was serve. It's, it's all about Addison. And I wrote the, the, her reaction shot into the script because my mom never waited for him needed to land on her, but also this feeling of powerlessness that she's often felt as the hologram. It's not what she was set out to do. She's a woman of action. And, um, and it's been a really fun conflict for her uh, and an inner struggle to be the person who cannot, physically interact. That's part of why I had her kick some ass in, in the HQ scene is to remind people like this is, she has trained to do things very differently than, than our hero. So I, I think it's really just making sure that every scene is helping get you there. And, and even a scene as powerful as Ben and Jeffrey outside of that garage is doing double duty. Cause it's not just about Ben and Jeffrey. It's about Addison as well. And it's about her reconciling with 
the sacrifices Ben has made and the debt she hasn't been able to repay. And there's something really amazing that he said he was going to make his way back to her. And the end of the story is she gets there herself. You know, she, with some help from this amazing person that, that had this almost spectral connection with her, she, she makes that leap herself and they find each other in the past. And so uh, that's why I think that the back five, it shifted and it was a fun challenge, right? 206, I got to write Hannah as our leading lady for an episode and for this adventure and for this leap. And I remember Caitlin reading the script being like, it's awesome. I wish I was in it more, but it's awesome. You know, and I was like, <laughs> just wait, just wait. You don't know. You have no idea how awesome it's going to be when we get there. So it, it's, it's, it's a delicate thing to like take your leading, you know, your number two actor and say, we're going to, you know, wrestle you out of this place that you're usually, you know, a fixture of in the show and, and force the character along with you to say, what is my purpose here? What am I supposed to be doing? Should I keep doing this? And, and how can I help? Uh, and that's why I think the outside is a great episode uh, among many reasons is there's just a scene of Ben and Addison sitting down on the floor and wrestling with what is their purpose and what, you know, what are they doing here? You know, are, can they, can they find a narrative for themselves when the universe keeps making it feel like, um, like it's almost not worth trying, but of course it is, you know, even if it goes sideways, you have to try. I love that one minute scene where they're on the, on the floor and Ben's drunk and there's the whole, Oh, engaged. Oh, not engaged. Oh, yeah. oh no, yeah. not, not for me. I didn't think that was, how about you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. that was so yeah. perfect. It, it felt like that, that whole scene, it was such a nice moment, but it felt like it, it was a shift. You could see that this was mm-hmm. a new direction it was going in. It was yeah. going somewhere and it was such a nice moment. I agree. I love that scene. Can you tell me when and how and what was your reaction when you told Caitlin she was going to be a leaper? Um, I didn't tell her that. That was um, Martin and Dean are very open with the actors on the show. They're not some showrunners like to keep them in the dark. They're like you know as much as your character knows. Martin and Dean are like that. They want an open line of communication so that the actors know that there's an arc, that there's a plan, and then we're taking them somewhere worthwhile. And so. You know, they had a great chat with Eliza about who Hannah was and, you know, where she came from and, and the amazing, epic, time-spanning journey she was going to go on. And they had a, a big sit-down with with um, with Caitlin about where Addison was going to go this year. And, you know, it was it was a thing we kept, you know, referring to, which is just remember that even as Addison is – because Addison took a beating this year. You know, emotionally, she took a real beating. But I, mean, I was talking about this today with Dean – um, and Sam actually just this idea that um, Dean said she wasn't ready to step into that accelerator until right now. You know, she wasn't ready in season one in some ways. She wasn't ready when she was grieving for Ben and was ready to throw herself in there. And, you know, but the journey she goes through the season, the journey they both go through the season is why 13 plays out why it does. If Ben hadn't lost everything and lost his ticket home and lost the one he loved, he wouldn't be able to connect with Jeffrey the way he does outside of the garage. And so part of one of the many layers of the story is that the things we go through, the people we lose, the, the traumas we undergo and, and the loss we feel, we have a choice as to how we decide to move forward and, and, and how we choose to see our own purpose in life and what we're going to do in the face of that pain. And some of us can, can give into anger and, and blame someone or something or a group of people and some of us can choose to use what we've been through to connect with others who might be going through that same experience, you know, and you can be there for somebody else 
because you might understand them better than anybody else walking on the street, what it's like to go through that. And so it just, that was a great discovery for me as a writer is what if everything we've built this season is all leading to this one, you know, moment with this boy who, who needs someone to say, I've been where you are and I, and you have a choice because we all do. And it's something that's real. And I know a lot of people were uh, theorizing that we would save um, Josh, that we would save um, Tom's wife. And I think what was great about what Dean and Martin committed to this season was um, not everybody gets a magical ending, right? Like things happen. And as we all know, that um, cannot be changed and we still have to figure out a way to move forward. And so having those, those stories that couldn't get fixed really helped make this, this final episode of the season all the more um, urgent, immediate, and important because, you know, we don't know that everything's going to be okay, but we, but we still have to get up and, and try to make the world a little bit better in whatever way we can. I really like the way that you played that off in the script as well, because when we think of our leaper, we think of someone who is selfless and just trying to do things for the greater good. And Ben is getting there. He's more seasoned now, but in that scene with Jeffrey outside of the garage, you can still see that tinge of bitterness, yeah. that tinge of regret that, that all of that, all of this has taken from him as yeah. well, but it, it doesn't deter him from trying to do the right thing. And it's nice to have that nuance because if it's a little bit too do-gooder, then right. it gets to be like, well, okay, but it, it gives, it gives Ben layers, which yeah. I like. Yeah. I mean, the, the, it's interesting that um, God, fate, time, whatever, whatever, you know, uh, Bruce McGill, whatever you want to call the, <laughs> the higher forces, you know, they're not, always like the universe is not always kind, you know, like there's some old Testament shit going on in the old show or, you know, there's just like <laughs> lots of stuff that just, you know, why there's a little bit of uh why, you know, for, for some of the things that play out and that's real life. We don't know why things just happen. And so what's fun about a show like quantum leap is we can oscillate between it's all meant for a reason. And maybe it's not, maybe it is, you know, the, these characters got to wrestle with some of that this season. And, you know, I feel like a lot of the episodes we wrote are part of 13. There's little echoes of things and callbacks to things. But one of those is just that scene with Tom and Magic in episode four, where he says, what if the engine of Quantum Leap is sacrifice? What if that's always how it's supposed to be? And it was really interesting to sort of confront that in this episode, especially with our, with our team, that maybe this is what we're being asked to do. Maybe we are all being asked to, to give something up um, for a greater good. And they're all willing to do it. And they do. They all give the ultimate uh, sacrifice for something they believe in. I loved that, like, Ben was given a choice of how to fix this future. And uh, he's basically given a couple choices, but he picked a third option that didn't yeah. exist. And it was just perfect for Ben. Um, when when did that idea come about? Was that in the room when you talked about the whole season arc? Uh, no, it was, it was, again, like we had the apology was, was sort of like in stone on the tablet, you know? So for me as a writer, it's like, well, we need, we need to make that matter and we need to make it feel um, surprising, but inevitable. So what's great at the story is Gideon is so um, casually cruel and savage in, in the way he's going about this. I mean, he violates the sanctity of our HQ. He throws us out. He is, isolating and abandoning Ben. He's going to do terrible things, but you know, he's just, he is beyond 
redemption in a lot of ways. And so when the team is finally coming back together and you have this wonderful, like a team type, you know, like cavalry arriving, you're all in on like, let's get this. I mean, I, I don't know how much I could swear in the show, but you know, let's go get this guy. Let's, let's take him out. And there's a feeling of like, you know, and, and it's not like quantum has never dispatched a bad guy before. Like it's totally within the rules of the show. And then it gets even darker when Jen gives her life to buy Ben more time. And by that point, we're just hurtling towards this. We're like a missile headed for this garage. We're going to blow the shit up and we're going to save the day. And, and so all that is, is moving, but, but what's, again, it's, it's just making that choice feel as strong as possible, which is even though, and what I love about our show in a lot of ways is that Ben left for such different reasons than Sam. And so what you're seeing play out is, this reckoning with this destiny that wasn't supposed to be his. It really wasn't, you know, it was supposed to be absence, but his heart has always been that of, you know, a good Samaritan traveling through time. He just didn't know that's what he was going to be. So it's, you know, this doesn't feel right is something I didn't realize I was cribbing it, but like it, it's, it's, you know, it's, we watched MIA recently. And it's the same thing that, that Sam says to, to Al. So that barometer is the human heart. And that's, that's integral to your job. If you're, you know, the lead of a quantum leap, um, series. Um, but then again, it was also like, but I want to go further. And so what if, what if that wouldn't have been enough, you know, even as, as powerful as the journey Ben's been on, what if it wouldn't have been enough unless he said, come with me and do what I do, see what I do, do it with like help someone you don't even know. Um, because, because you know that you could prevent them from going through what you've been through. And that's, that's a, that's noble. And it's also, it's, it's talking about and exploring empathy in a way that is heroic. It's not weak. You know, it's, it's, I think that's, that's the key for me is like, we talk about empathy, like it's being nice to everybody. That's, I don't think that's what it really means. It, it means like being able to connect with another person and what they're going through um, because it feels like the right, it feels spiritually um, righteous in some way, you know, and, 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 and Jeffrey is worth saving. He is, you know, he's, he's, He's not the enemy. Ben's not the enemy. Time is the enemy. And so mm-hmm. um, I thought that was a beautiful way to explore that. And also I just wanted to sort of, the thing that was also great with the episode is it's just a series of almost like nesting dolls of father-son stories. You know, you've got Rick Jarrett Sr. And you've got Jeffrey and his father. And then you've got Ben, who's being a son in one story and almost a surrogate father figure for the other, just long enough to help this kid correct his future. I love the misdirect, uh, the like roller coaster ride in this last episode because when you find out, and it it's pretty obvious that um, that uh, Addison's gonna leap to bring Ben home and sacrifice herself and send her back in time, and you you can see the emotion in her face. And at home, I'm like, no, then they still can't touch and they won't be together. Don't do this. Get somebody else, anybody else. This is unfair. So I, yeah, I bought yeah, that I hook, line, and sinker. And then uh, to actually have them leap together, what what was that like coming up with that story? Again, it was just like when we talked at the beginning of the season, you know, the time jump had been decided on, the, this this new quadrangle relationships had been decided on. And so it really was about like what's the most satisfying ending of that story. And, and, and for Addison to keep waiting just felt – I would have disliked everybody. I would have been mad at Ben for making her do that. I would have been mad at Addison for, for leaning into the status quo of television instead of emotional reality, you know? And, um, and it just, it, it, it seemed like 
the most satisfying and surprising ending. And, and, and what, what, you know, it's funny. I specify that song that we ended up using in the script because I wanted it to feel like a new beginning as opposed to um, something from the past or even an ending, you know, and, you know, Addison and Ben had a theme all through season one, the top of season two. And the tone of that theme was very mournful and, and like kind of elegiac. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was, they were mourning something they were trying to get back, but they might never get back. And this needed to feel different because in a lot of ways, their relationship still has so much further to go because they're not, you know, they're not engaged. They're not, there's a lot of places that they need to sort of begin new from, but there's a promise of something that is exciting and they're both in a better place. And I think, um, and I think there's something great about Ben basically saying, I've lost all these things and I'm not going to get them back and I have to just keep going. And then it's beautiful that like, I just, I mean, it was in the script, but the way Raymond does it is so beautiful where you see him after that leap and he's just like, damn, like I just, I, it, once again, he got his hopes up and they were crushed. And, you know, when we first talked about this ending in the room, even before I was going to write it, I had this image of Addison bumping into somebody. And I thought that's the greatest way for Ben to realize that their entire reality has shifted is to see her make contact and realize he's not looking at his hologram. He's looking at the person who's physically here with him. So to get to build as a moment, that sense of anticipation and, Oh my God, this is actually happening. Like even when I watched the director's cut, I was like, Oh my God, we're doing this. And I was there when we shot it, but I was still like, (laughs) we're actually doing it. And I'll say that the night we shot that scene was really special because, you know, we all don't know what the future of the show is, but the night we shot it, everybody was getting this, these chills, even like in the master, we were like, Oh my God, this is so powerful. Anna lit it. Anna, our, our DP lit it so beautifully. And Chris, our director was the one who suggested, I want to, we've done the holographic hand touch so many times. I want to pay that off. And so it was this wonderful collaboration of like the bump, but also the hand touch. And then, and there was dialogue there to talk about like, I did it for this reason and didn't work. Maybe it did work. And we just took it all out. We didn't need it. You really didn't need it. And you didn't need big scope. You didn't need to be cast of thousands. You just needed to be here with these two people. And, um, and I was just, well, I was watching Caitlin and Ray do this scene. And I was, and I was with Shakina, uh, a writer um, who was shadowing Chris as a director. And we were just like turning to each other, monitor, like, are you seeing this? This is amazing. <laughs> so it was just like, that's the feeling I want to go out. But also like in the script, it says they, there's, there's screams, there's explosions, people need help. And they continue on, like, you know, they join hands and they continue on the adventure, this quantum entangled pair. So, it just felt like that's whatever happens with the show. That's an ending that I, as a fan, feel satisfied by and excited by, and and I'm so glad we got to do it because it. Um, I've I've watched many shows that ended on a cliffhanger, and I was like, "What?" You know, but this feels like whether we keep going or don't keep going, we've told a great story. I think that is that really pays off the investment that the audience gave us for however long they've been watching. I think that ending was the best scene in the whole show. Oh, Allison. You're so it nice. was awesome. It was so <laughs> exciting and hopeful and romantic. And then yeah. when it ended, I'm like, it, it can't be it. Like, what's going to happen next? <laughs> I was so excited. And then oh, it was great. We're, listen, we're excited too because, you know, these two people have very different styles. Even in the episode you're seeing, you know, and so to see them out there together and making connections with people together and, 
And also there's, there are, there are stories we've already talked about that would really be, um, you know, mind bending just enough, to, but, but not losing sight of, of the heart that we need to continue to maintain. And I just think that there are so many possibilities for what those stories can look like and where it can go. And, um, I would love to tell more of them because I feel like I, we were, I was on set with Raymond, uh, shooting this episode and he was just like, I feel like we've just scratched the surface of what we can do. I was like, I do too. I really think like, I think season two had a level of ambition that paid off. And I, I feel, and it's not about budget. I mean, budget helps because it's nice to have explosions and, and set dressing and all that stuff and, and sets, but you know, it's what kind of stories that we can tell that nobody else can. Like I still, am when I heard the break for 12 and I was like, Addison and Hannah get a scene together. Like there's no other show on TV that can do that scene. That's amazing. You know? So I think, there's a lot more we can do and, and there's um, yeah, I, I, I hope we get to. We hope so too. Yeah. We do. <laughs> and, and I'll say, I mean, I know that you guys had the, the ending planned out. So you knew that Ben and Addison were going to be together as leapers, but as an old school fan, I couldn't help but think that it was going to be like more like a leap back situation. I mm. fully expected Ben to be the hologram. So I wasn't That's surprised right. that Addison was there. I was I, surprised that Ben was there. Well, so it's so funny. You're all saying this because I was curious how people would, I thought that might be the, the the mislead. Like for me, it was less like a mislead and more like um, a feeling of something. Like I don't know. It's hard to explain. But even when I watched it, it's like the music and the spell it's casting. It's like it's for me. It wasn't like a no, but it is like a wow. Something. These two ships are going to pass in the night in some way, but it's going to be beautiful because it's she. He did it for her, and now she's doing it for him. And yeah, it's a it's a wonderful unexpected reward from whatever's in charge up there or, or from Hannah herself, whatever you choose to, to interpret that ending to be. Um, and it's way more fun than having mm. Ben uh, be the hologram for, you know. Oh, for sure. So. Yeah. And it's, it's new, new like frontiers in leaping, yeah. which is nice. And it's got precedence in the show because we saw Sam and Aaliyah leap together. So we know that leapers can be in tandem. Yep. So it all dovetails. One thing that I noticed that this season embraced, and I've been a broken record about it on the podcast. I asked Deandra Jarris about it, but it seems to me that season one very much wanted to establish this project as its own thing. And it seems to me that in season two, as you got more comfortable with this version of Quantum, you started to touch back on some of the bigger themes that were in the Legacy series, specifically the spiritual aspect, the, mm -hmm. the GTFW aspect, as we call it on the show. Yeah. And um, I was wondering how conscious was that? Was that kind of a directive going forward? Or and the bigger question is, do you guys feel that the show now is so much more established as its own thing that you feel a little bit more comfortable touching back on some of the legacy stuff because the show can still stand on its own? It doesn't need that, but it helps enrich it in the mix. That's a great question. I, um, you know, because I know a lot of people are like, are you going to get back? You're going to get back. I'm like, of course, we would love to get Scott back on the show. But like, I also feel like we are telling a story that is absolutely earning its keep on its own. Like these characters are wonderful. And I, I, I am the first person who will roll their eyes at a cynical reboot of something, you know. But, you know, when I met, I'd actually worked with Raymond for a day on something a long time ago. That he didn't even remember. But, you know, I knew that he had a quality as a human being, not like the character, but as a person 
he was the right person for this new generation of the story. You know, like he is that guy. It's not an act. He sets that tone. He is that person for the crew, for the cast, for the guest cast, you know, um, interviews, whatever it is. Like he's just that kind of person. And that's wonderful. And I, but I also think that this season, what you're responding to is less like us sitting down and saying, Hey, let's be more like this. Or it's more that the time jump itself instigated these questions for the characters to be asking, right? Like there's, it, Ben feels like Job. Like, why have you forsaken me? Hmm. I, I did everything right. I did this to save somebody. I saved Quantum Leap and this is what happens to me. And so right away, it's what the hell universe, what's that about? And that follows through for everybody in the three-year gap, like Addison. And uh, and then and then I think, like, it was writing choices like, of how to, like, add this philosophical bent to Tom. And so these things just started kind of popping up. But then the Hannah story itself, by its nature, it's very romantic. It's a, it's a beautiful sci-fi romance. But it asks questions, right? Like, how is this happening? Who is doing this? Why is this happening? And what's great about the season is is that it's – emotionally honest to a degree that like, we don't know why things happen in our own lives. We don't know. We can choose to see a narrative and see a purpose or say God is real and has a plan. The universe is this, or I'm manifesting, you know, whatever you want to believe, we have to make those choices for ourselves. So no one comes in and explains exactly why they are, these are all theories people are having, but it, it's like Dean said on this podcast, I believe like that you are asking questions. That we don't always have the answers to not because we're not smart writers, but because, the characters will never get those answers that they're looking for. They have to choose what they believe. And so that was a really cool thing to explore this season and to have people like Addison and Hannah looking for meaning. And I think it's because they're in love. Jen thinks it's because you need two people for some of these leaps, you know, and Hannah's thinking like, I think I'm in your life for a reason. And that reason is to fulfill something that you're meant to do, which is get home. So I, I think it came from there. And then also, um, yeah, I think we're, there were ties to the first season to the original series in the first season as well. But I think all eyes were on like whether Scott was coming back on a lot of that stuff. Like, why is it, it was looking for that. I think from a viewer standpoint, which was not the story we were, we were telling yet, but um, I think this season we were able to, to connect to stuff, but I think we had a stronger a plot that you could really emotionally connect to. Um, and, and so the things that came from the old series were like beautiful seasoning on something that was already a really, satisfying meal uh to make yeah. metaphors yeah that's a good way to put it though <laughs> i loved um ben and addison reconnecting and, and what was chosen for their touch of their hand and their hug was there ever any talk of like a different kind of embrace because i know they're not really together again yet but they're that spark is there and they've waited so long to actually physically be together again but uh, was there ever a talk of doing it different or we, yeah, we, we, we talk about like everything that you have theorized about, we've probably talked about like, you know, not to speak too far out of school. We definitely talked about like Lothos as something we've, we've talked about all of this stuff, <laughs> but, but, but that's Lothos is like, that's such a huge piece of mythology, for example. And the story we're trying to tell this season is, you know, it's personal. It's a personal story. It's about a woman and Ben and her child, like, it's just, the, that's the story we're telling, right? So we, we talk about this stuff, but at the end of the day, it's like, what is the best story for, for now? And it felt like, listen, we, we've done a lot for the Ben and Addison, like, do si do this season. And it felt like 
we don't have time to earn more than what we're going to get in that final moment. And that's story for later, you know, like what the relationship is going to look like and, and to see them maybe fall in love again or whatever we could do. Like those are great stories to tell and great opportunities to get into right now. It's the relief that they are never, they'll never be. Hopefully, hopefully they're, they're no longer alone. They're no longer disconnected. They are, they are two particles existing as one. And so um, I think maybe in script, there was a near kiss that was interrupted by an explosion, but we didn't even do that. But it was always this sense of this, this physical contact, this sense of home. And then, you know, duty calls was always the. Was that part of the reason of choosing where they leapt? Uh, kind of, I'm guessing like middle of world war two ish uh, in Fairhaven. I'm so somewhere glad you asked that question, Albie. I'm so glad you asked that question <laughs> because uh, in season one, there were, I'm really proud of, of somebody up there like Ben and fellow travelers, but both of those episodes began in wildly different forms, wildly different leaps, wildly different. They were just very different. And so even though I was very proud of how those episodes turned out and I, I really loved Daryl and I really loved Carly and I really loved those episodes. I also lamented that there were some stuff I wanted to do that I didn't get to do. You know, there's just stuff I didn't get to do in season one for various reasons. So when we got to this episode, it's like, well, what's that leap out going to be? Somebody said, it should feel like that episode you didn't get to do in season one. You know, it should feel like that. And I was like, that's exactly what it should be. You know, so I think it was, how do we feel? Again, we're casting a spell. We're somewhere else in time. But it needed, like, you nailed it when you said Casablanca. Like, it needed that something cinematic and beautiful, but Jeopardy. And and so we never even the script that said you know uh, european world war ii street but it didn't we didn't specifically say when and where we are exactly because that's 301's job uh but um but i think it was it was it felt so satisfying for me because it was like one more thing that i wanted to do with the show that i could that now i get to do in this you know total dream episode which is crazy because i got to do that already with secret history so you don't normally get to do like a dream episode once, let alone twice in a season. Cause there's so many compromises you got to make making television. There's just so many things that fall apart or change. You got to adjust. But I, you know, Martin and Dean gave me so much um, freedom to, to feel some ownership over those stories while still maintaining the vision of the story that they set out to do this year. And, and um, so, yeah, that, that's where that came from. It was like, I, I want the feeling of that episode. I didn't get to write in one scene and it'll make it iconic. And, and that's what we did. It also gives that sense of urgency and they hit the ground running so they don't have time for their personal relationship and they just got to get the job done kind of thing. Let's focus on the leap is the new t-shirt, right? It's, it's, uh... <laughs> I think it was like a, a really smart decision to cut out all of the dialogue. Like, why did I do this? This yeah. is what happened. You know, big speeches, just don't let go yeah. and then get, get to the action, get to the leap. Yeah. It's, um, it's also, I want to shout out Ian Mayberry, our editor, who did just a phenomenal job. And we were texting before we started shooting. He was like, I feel the energy coming off these pages. Like, I'm so excited to cut this episode. And um, and some of the choices Ian made in the edit, I was like, this is not what I expected, but it's amazing. Like, just the way Act 5 plays and the use of the tenth score he was using and the final score that Daniel wrote had this sort of elliptical Philip Glassian repetition it wasn't like you know in the script it probably read like go 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 like this has happened like all this you know like 
you know, parallel action of, of Jeopardy, Jeopardy, Jeopardy. But there's a spell being cast in, act, in the fifth act of, of, of the episode that just feels like oddly poetic. It's still super high urgency and, and high Jeopardy, but there's something almost poetic about all these moments in time happening. And, um, and so when he was cutting that scene, like he beautifully edited the music. And then when I was watching the, the director's cut, like music rose and then it crashed back down as we had have dialogue. It was like, no, we, even I know I wrote these words, even I know we want this feeling to keep elevating and keep rising. And so we took it, you know, and Martin knew that right away. He's, I was there when he watched it. He's like, we're taking all that out. I was like, great. Because, you know, emotion trumps logic. We don't need to explain hmm. what just happened. It's, it's more important to feel it. And yeah, you, you certainly did. I mean, it was, it was a wonderful moment. And if it is the last scene that we get from this iteration of Quantum Leap, it's, it's almost like a perfect snapshot yeah. to leave us with. And I, I'm not saying that that's what I want. Of that, course you know, not. Of course yeah, not. Season three all the way. But, uh, yeah. if, if it does end this way, it, it sticks to landing. It really Thank does you. because you, you can see them moving forward together. And that's really all you need. If, if you're yeah, a fan it, of their relationship and a fan of this show, they're I, in a good place. They're in a good place and they're still out there. And Sam is still like, they're out there that once you leap, you're out there. And it's really interesting. Like when I watched the episode, it really feels like Addison is, um, is transforming or, or, it just feels like when I watch it, it really feels like the the nature of stepping on accelerator is to sort of part with your mortal coil and, and become something, um, a, a spiritual being in a, in a lot of ways. And it, it really, every time I watch it, I feel like she is embracing her better angels, both metaphorically and literally in a lot of ways, you know? And so uh, I, I know that like not to compete or, or, or talk down mirror image because, you know, it's, it's, it's earned its place for multiple reasons, both, heartbreaking and, and, uh, and appreciated, but, you know, I felt like I would want more, just, you know, in, in, if, if we don't know what's happening in the future, I want us to be able to deliver something that, that would make me feel satisfied and, and, um, and hopeful. And so I'm just amazed that we got to do it. And I'm so, I'm so happy with how it, how it was executed. I know it was not an easy task to create something that could be a continuation, but could also be a satisfying <laughs> right, conclusion right. if this is the last season. And right. I think you succeeded. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I would be lying if I didn't say when I saw Ben and Addison touch that I was my, I was doing quick math in my head and I'm not good at math, but I was thinking, well, if they're both leaping and they had to leap to bring someone home, who did they bring home? So I was like, I was like trying to figure out, was just the, the, the formula wrong. Was it, was it, was it for us to decide maybe somebody came home, maybe somebody didn't or what, what's the thought process on that when you're breaking that? Okay. So I'm going to try to delicately dance around this question because I'm trying <laughs> to maintain the, the, the interactive nature of the season, which is there's stuff that you can interpret. There's a lot of stuff that we haven't even talked about. You can interpret in different ways, but I think the thing to remember when you rewatch 12 and 13 is that, Ian calls it a swap code. Gideon calls it a swap code. Hannah calls it a quantum code to bring you home. So uh, that's maybe where I should end the answer. Okay. I like that. I like that. She did bring him home. <laughs> <laughs>
Judith exactly. Holmes, yeah. a person. She did. The whole nomad line. <laughs> yep. yep. I mean, it's like you can, whether it's her, whether it's something larger, whether it's both, you know, uh, you know, he's home. Home is where the heart yeah. is. Yep. Yeah. Uh, will Bruce McGill be running a bar in World War II? <laughs> <laughs> we are we are monitoring Bruce McGill's health very closely. <laughs> Um, better do it sooner than later, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, um, you know, it's funny. I uh, This is kind of a segue, but, you know, these are all, there's, I, I really love and missed, especially in the first half of the season, like the theorizing that, that fans do and, and the and, and the creativity that everybody has. And, and, and I remember um, when Matt said, you should really listen to the 206 thing because we really, we really dug it. And so I listened to it and um, I was so tickled when Chris and Matt started talking about butterfly effects. <laughs> they were like, can't get too crazy because then it's not quantum leap. But if it, you know, and you guys you were so, you were so like, I can't, but I must, but I can't, but I must about like <laughs> your, your time travel nerd side versus like, well, what is canon? And, and I'm sitting there listening to it being like, well, we're doing this. So you, whether you like it or not, we are going to do it. <laughs> we are going to do it. Um, but, you know, like these, these are, uh, you know, these big ideas and, and these things that have come before, like it's, I, I'm excited and, and aware that there's a lot of lore that we can tap into. Um, but I, I think our instincts are to only do it the right way. And there's stuff we've, there's so many cool things we could have done this season, but it wasn't the right time. And when it is the right time and we have the right stories, there's stuff we can reach for that is really awesome and amazing. And, um, and then also I think we have to keep creating our own mythology too. And I think, um, I, I think we, we utilize even just the technology of our new advanced 2022 to 2026 timeline, you know, HQ to do, new stuff with stories like our ability to, to, to view the leaps had major impacts in the drama of these characters, you know, um, and for Gideon in the finale, like being one step ahead of our, our heroes. So there's, I think there's a line to walk between how much we reach back for stuff and where we innovate and do our own thing. And, and I think that's what's so cool about season two is I was worried people were going to cry trilogy with Hannah, but <laughs> it's such a different vibe and it's mm -hmm. more, it's a, it's a different story, right? It's, it, it, it's different in, in the ways that matter and it feels um, special. And I think Eliza was a miraculous addition for the show. I worked with her on the hundred. She was amazing on that show, but a, a different character entirely. After seeing her play Hannah, I'm like, Oh, she can play anything. Cause she can just, she can go from dark to light and charming to, you know, genocidal. I mean, she's, she's really amazing. And, um, and I think she, she th that character added, she elevated the season and she added some like a, a new iconic character to the, to the, the mythology of quantum leap itself. So whether we get to Bruce McGill or not, we, <laughs> we, we should invent some um, hmm. stories and things like that along the way. And then, and then who knows? Well, I, I think a strength of the, of the new series, especially as season two closes is that you can, but you don't have to. Right. And that's one thing, like you're talking about Matt and I saying, or the, the butterfly effect, what are they going to do? And then it's not quantum leap. And that's because we're thinking like legacy fans. This yeah. is what quantum leap is, but you take us by the hand or by the throat, depending on what the story <laughs> is. And you say, no, this is what we're making it. And mm -hmm. 
as long as you execute it properly, you give yeah. the fans what they don't know they want. Something exactly. new. Exactly. Something new to latch on to. And yeah. it's an evolution yeah. of the property. So it, 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 it keeps it from getting to be too much of the same thing. Right. Otherwise, you're Star Wars. You know, you want to keep yeah. growing. You want yeah. to keep evolving. And I think that was the main strength of this season is that now Quantum Leap is poised to be something new again. Yeah. And um, that that's always the most exciting place to be because it doesn't negate all the stuff that happened before. It's yeah. just that that was there. That's our foundation. Now we're here. Yeah. And you did it in a way that it all still works. It's all together. It doesn't betray anything. So thank you very you much know, for saying that. Probably. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely was like, you know, I, I was prepping my defense. I was like, well, listen, honey, when he first did this and leap for Lisa did this, we can like, I was just like arming <laughs> myself for, for my day in court. But it was also like, what <laughs> been really exciting is um, to play with point of view in a way that the original didn't. Right. So for example, like, Mirror Image rewrote the entire show, but we choose to believe like it mostly played out the same and Al probably made less sexually suggestive comments because he was, you know, a happily married family man most of those episodes now or whatever it is. But like things changed radically all the time and we just didn't see it because we were in Sam's point of view or we were with, you know, like we're with Al, he looks away, he looks back or Sam looks away, he looks back and it's one person changes. What's really exciting about this is like, well, what does it look like for the people that Leapers leave behind? What is it like to see a stranger come into your house with one face and see them again years later with another face? And your mother has this weird, inappropriate relationship with them. Like it really, I love that sequence because it's really showing you like this guy's Ben's the boogeyman to this child, like, you know, and will always be. And, and same thing with what happens at the end of the butterfly effect. It's like these characters are, are actively changing their own past, right? They're, t they're taking part in it. And so, we know that the show rewrote time every episode. We just didn't see what that looked like, right? And so I'm not saying it looked like this every time. I'm saying when these characters choose to um, step in and face the music of their own history being rewritten, it might feel like this. It might feel like an act of God or time or fate or whatever, you know? And so it's exciting to, to use this new series, to use those ideas and show them in new ways and tell new stories because if we're just re, you know doing a new version of Leap Home Part Two or new like we're just redoing it, that's we're not going to win, you know. And so, uh, so I think what's great about the season is it really earned all the choices we made to make the show different. Really got earned this season in ways that brought these characters home in in ways both literal and, and metaphorical. Well, it was nice to see the the connections between the two series, mm -hmm. but it didn't feel like it it became Quantum Leap is a show about itself. Right. A lot of properties are nostalgic about themselves without actually moving forward. Right. So it was nice that it felt like it existed in the same universe, but it wasn't like, let's stop to reference this or let's do this. Like it all made sense what was brought in and why and how it serviced the story. I'm glad you, you felt that way. I think we... Um... There's there's so much great material and, and and so many beautiful stories that that Deborah and Don and and, and that writing staff put together and um, and and there's stuff we almost did where we're like this is gonna you know you also have to be aware of the audience percentage wise how much of them are hardcore and how much of them are normies and you know you're uh, you know there's some stuff we rules wise we thought of that might have been just too 
too inside for people to to wrap their mind. What's crazy about Quantum Leap, I think, is like it's like most shows and most sci-fi premises have like five, one buy-in. Quantum Leap has like five. It's like he's a time traveler, but also he's leaping into people or not really leaping into people because it's just his aura. But also there's a hologram who's also in the back. It's like there's all these, you know, there's so many things going on. And that's what makes it really exciting because the stories can do so many things. But you just have to be aware that like if you don't keep the drama and, and everything to an immediate, emotionally intimate center, then all that stuff's just going to, you know, overwhelm it. So I think, you know, we, we found a lot of those great stories this, this season. And I still think there are so many wonderful characters they can meet and lives they can change in ways that can really surprise us and, and uh, move us. And so I'm hoping we can continue to do that. Well, we've been going for a little over an hour. Uh, maybe we should, I, we don't want to take too much more of your time, Drew. No, but we, you have one question you have not asked me yet, Chris. Um, About leaping into people's bodies. You, okay. Wait, oh, wait, we're going to we go mind body? this debate? <laughs> I could you, go on forever. Yeah, no, no, this is the, you, you, you. When I went back and because after Matt passed, I went back and re-listened, and you were like, "Oh, I forgot to ask about this about the you know." So uh, I'm going to answer this question you're not even asking, but you yeah, re- refresh it. my memory on what it because I say like, a lot. Oh, he, he's putting he, he's writing these episodes where like he's he's drawing attention to the physical capabilities or, or liabilities of the person he's left right. into. Mm-hmm. And and I'm shocked you forgot to ask it again. Shame on you. Two demerits from Gryffindor, <laughs> but. But, uh, I'm a bad fan. What do you want? You're a bad fan. You're a very bad fan. You sit in the corner. But <laughs> but I, I will answer that now and say that I think that's another part of this iteration that we that if we get another season, I'm very excited by, which is um, Ben can literally walk in somebody else's shoes. And that's, you know, and I'm not criticizing the original. Like, you know, I, I'm saying that, like, this version of the technology and him being physically experiencing what they experience the kinds of stories you can tell, whether it's about addiction or, uh, you know, mental illness or any, anything, or, or just any, you know, disability, you, there's stories you can tell in those arenas that can be really interesting and really emotionally um, powerful for Ben and the audience to experience um, that I think are worth exploring and can be really exciting. And then, then also there can just be fun ones where he's just doing something he didn't know he could do. Mm. Um, But I just think it's a way of taking that, Modus operandi making it more literal, which is like, it's not the appearance of it. It's I'm actually part of this person, what they're feeling or all that stuff can, can, can crawl through every time if we want to, or it just depends on what the story is. But I just think it's a, it's a cool way to lean into the the lack of waiting room. Yeah. And I, I like that aspect of this show. It took me a while to wrap my head around it because I'm so used to the, the waiting room and the swap and body, mind, aura. Uh, we like to have fun on the show. I just do it to annoy Allison. I always say, <laughs> I don't know if it's mind or body. We all know it's his body. But when I saw Secret History and I think it was Secret History uh, when, when Ben is limping yeah, and it reminded me of a tenet that they had, I guess, in the Bible for the original series, um, where I think Don said, if, if Ben leaps into a watchmaker, he doesn't know how to build a watch. I'm uh, sorry, if Sam, if Sam leaps into a watchmaker, he doesn't know how to build a watch. Well, that's not necessarily true for Ben. If he leaps into a watchmaker, that watchmaker is still there. He has the muscle memory. He could maybe tap into some of that stuff. Well, you, but you play with the latitude of that, which is like, yeah. he doesn't know how, but if you were sort of doing like, there's, 
I think that's what's fun, right? Is like how much of this is like, I know exactly how to do this and how much of this is like with a little work, you could start. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what was great about somebody up there like Ben. It's like, yeah, you're, exactly. you don't know how, if you work on this, you and this body will work together to do this thing. And it'll, you know, so I think there are other cool ways to, to explore that stuff. And we don't have to do every episode, but I think it is, um, it's, it's, it's more potential for new, more interesting stories we can tell. Yeah, it's 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 a neat wrinkle and it, it just adds to, like you said, the storytelling potential and, and the potential for drama yeah, because you yeah. can have stakes for Ben. It's not like he's a legless veteran who can suddenly get up and walk. Right, right. You know, so it's 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 a pretty neat wrinkle. And I've I've grown more accustomed to it. Maybe that's why I'm not asking it because I've sort <laughs> of settled that that question in my head now. And now I've riled it up like a basketball team. <laughs> <laughs> uh any, uh, was there anything else we should get into before we uh, wrap up? I got a couple silly questions that's come up hey, over the season. Uh, like, okay. um, so if, uh, is Jeffrey Ben's kid or not? Did, did they, did they no, do it? In, in, in I, I, I heard Chris go on about this, but you know, I think 12 <laughs> actually in 12, Hannah, <laughs> Hannah implies they talked a lot that night. So they were talking. Um, yeah, no, they, there's, there's not a post-coital scene in two, Oh, eight. Um, uh, no, he's not. We, we, we made a, a, a choice to say it's like two years after, like he was seven yeah. instead of nine. And we talked about that. I think for some of us, we felt like if Ben becomes an absent father, I would, me personally, I'd be very, uh, I would be very upset with him. And if we weren't going to keep telling that story of him being involved in some way, shape or form, I, I just, yeah, for, for some of those reasons, it was like, it, it would have been a hell of a twist, but it would have also, I would have expected Ben to check in on that person for the rest of the series. And if he didn't, I would have been mad at him for the rest of the series. So. Yeah. And, and I have to say, I mean, I, I had that question and I was doing some mental gymnastics course, to try to make course. it fit. Yeah, but all of us. Yeah. The story is actually so much better that it's not Ben's kid. Right. I mean, hinges on that. So, yes. it, yeah, it's yeah. a much better choice. Yeah, I think it would have become trilogy in the way that I don't <laughs> yeah. like trilogy. <laughs> so. yeah. And in season three, Jeffrey and Sammy Joe team up, and they are yeah. the super and team. She's super old. Damn it! Yeah. You took my idea. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, would it, would it have been Ben's kid or the Le- Leapies? Leapy? That was the other thing we Leapy's were between we with the idea. Leapy's Leapy's yeah. would be yeah, his. It would have been Wonder kid, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Those are my silly questions. Oh, the other one was uh, like we were uh, hinted at that there's things peppered in throughout the whole season that we'd figure out by the end. Uh, Was there anything we missed the fan community? No, I think I think it was it was the Beth Addison thing. That was the big one that 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 people didn't didn't pick up on, which is great. Like it 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 sort of arrives and it feels like oh, of course. But um, that's that's the big one. Which so it was interesting that people were like some people were so mad at Addison uh, when you know we were not, we didn't feel that way about Beth. Like she's, you know, we've, I mean, it helped. You saw her wrestling with it in MIA, but um, that's, that's the main one I would say. And, and then there's just like Addison's journey. If you look at it in the very first episode of the season, if I'm not mistaken, and I think I'm correct on this, the first flashback Ben has is her in the white Fermi suit mm. training. So the first time we saw Addison was the first breadcrumb of where we were going uh, at the end. Yeah, it came together very well. Very good. Thank yeah, thank you. Thank you all for uh, for 
everything, you, you, all your contributions and, and uh, coverage and, and criticisms and, and attaboys and praise and every, just everything you've done and continue to do after we lost Matt. And, and uh, I, I really thought of him so much when I was writing this and I was so excited to share it with him and, and I'm so heartbroken that we didn't get to and that, that we, that he's not here anymore. But I really think that in some ways that I can't explain, I think he's in this episode in, in some um, strange and profound ways. And so, uh, you know, we, you know, we, we appreciate all of you and we, we miss Matt and we um, we're grateful that we are all able to, to connect over this thing. And in, in light of, of everything that's been going on, it's been, it's been nice to just connect and talk to you guys and talk to Sam and talk to everybody and, and, and feel the community still a community. And uh, I think I speak for all of us here at the QLP when I thank you personally and the cast and the crew for the way you came together for us at the time. And um, we will never forget it. It helped pull us through quite frankly. And um, that's a big part of the reason why we're still doing this to honor Matt's legacy. And also because we know that when, when things were down, you had our backs. So thank you so much. You're, you're the first person I've been able to speak to directly about this face to face, so to speak. So um, I just want you to know that it was greatly appreciated and it was almost like a life raft at times. Thank you. That means a lot. Um, We, we, I think all this stuff that we're doing is, I think we all, if you're a fan of quantum leap, you're, you're a certain kind of person anyways. Right. And we're all looking for something uh, hopeful and positive and, and kind towards one another because the world is hard enough as it is. And uh, yeah, you, we, it's, it's also because we've never met most of you in person, but we definitely feel it on this side as well. So uh, thank you all. And uh, hope we will see you in season three. Thank you, Drew. So that was everything that we promised, wasn't it, Allison? It was a great interview. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know we did it, but it was a great interview. And uh, Drew was a great guest. Yeah. So thank you very much, Drew. I hope uh, all of you out there listening, some of your burning questions might have been answered by that interview. I know a lot of mine were, and we got to dabble in some of the more esoteric stuff. One thing that I love about Drew is like, you know, that he has encyclopedic knowledge of Quantum Leap just from, you know, just the references that he pulls. And he is so familiar with with the legacy series that, you know, he, oh yeah. And and this one in episode seven of uh, season two. That was amazing (laughs) to me that he was pulling out that knowledge because i was like hmm? uh-huh <laughs> like he's like this episode and this and uh yeah you guys should definitely uh listen to the the version we have here which you just did but um check out the youtube version because then you get to see him hold up the little rc al's car oh that's true yeah yeah so that's a little special bonus that you get with the visual i think that we're pretty good but you know I'm pretty handsome, so you want to go over there and look at that on on YouTube as well. (laughs) Allison, you look great, too. (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) Well, Drew looked very good, too. Let's not... (laughs) Let's not not slight the guest. Let's not slight the guest. We're not trying to outshine anyone here. (laughs) No, no, not at all. Not that we even have a chance in hell. But anyway. All right. uh, Before we um, just get lost in uh, our own egos, um, (laughs) let's talk a bit about uh, the update that you promised at the beginning of the show.
I promised you at the beginning of the show that I would give you finally some details on the Leap Day special that we have planned for Matt uh, to raise money for his family and to honor his memory. If you recall, some time ago, um, right before he passed, Matt did an interview with Trey Calloway, who is the writer of the proposed reboot script, A Bold Leap Forward, which uh, what was that around 2003? That they were trying to put that together? Yeah, somewhere around that. Yeah, somewhere around that. So based on that, our idea to honor Matt's memory and do something special for Leap Day was to have a table read of a bold leap forward with the current cast of Quantum Leap. And we've gotten some of them to say yes. So <laughs> Boy, howdy. Boy, howdy is, is right. So Caitlin Bassett was on board, like, from second one. Oh, immediately. We, we were just like, we're thinking of this thing from Matt. She's like, yes, yes. She didn't even need to know what it was about. <laughs> right after I spoke to Caitlin, I heard from Georgina Riley, who plays Janice. She said yes. Nan Rissa Lee just got back to me. She said yes. She wants to be involved. And Deborah Whoa. Pratt, who is somehow, you know, she's off in Africa tracking through the wilds and yet she's still answering our emails. <laughs> she said that Man. she would join in if she could because her traveling schedule. On top of that, Mason Alexander Park got back to me. They said that they would be interested, but they are shooting uh, Sandman right now in the UK. If they can make it jive with their Sandman schedule, they would love to join us. And I've also asked Raymond Lee. Uh, we haven't nailed anything down with Raymond yet, but uh, that could be a possibility as well. So I just, I, I am flabbergasted. That's insane. By the response. So it, again, it just goes to show the legacy that Matt built and yeah. the esteem in which everybody still holds him and in honoring his memory. The way this is going to work is we're going to try to keep it light. We have the script. I'm going to assign everybody parts and we'll do it as live. So what that means is that we're going to record once with no editing as a YouTube special, which will be broadcast as live on Leap Day. Uh, look for our Instagram feed and for our Facebook page and for our uh, podcast page, quantumleappodcast.com. For the time, I don't know what the premiere time is going to be. Albie's usually pretty good at that stuff, but we'll be broadcasting it. Oh, I, I, Allison, you do the YouTube stuff more than I do. This as live will be somehow connected to like a way that people can donate to Matt's family. So as as the show is running, you can watch, you can participate through the comment section, and you can also donate money that will go to benefit uh, Matt's survivors. Right. Yeah. I'm not sure how exactly it's going to be set up, if it's going to be linked to the GoFundMe or because uh, you can link certain live streams to charities, but I'm not, I haven't really done it myself. Um, I'm sure the link's going to be there for the GoFundMe. We have it on the website. Uh, yeah, it, it might be something that gets explained uh, in the description somewhere because I'm not sure how this particular setup's going to be, but uh, that's the way to help Matt's family is to donate to the GoFundMe. Yeah, so um, we'll have links to that in any event in the description of the show as we're playing it. And if there's another way to contribute, Albie will figure all that out. But it will be a charity table to read for the benefit of Matt's family. He'd just be stoked knowing all this was put together. 
I mean, it's just something else. It's funny because we usually look forward to, you know, if they can, maybe a cast roundtable to discuss the end of a season or the beginning of a season. But I'm looking forward to this even more. I think that this is going to be fun and a nice way to remember Matt. We've been so wrapped up in grief lately. I feel like this is finally we get to breathe a little bit and celebrate who Matt was. Um, As much as we've been missing him, i just been having so many different memories of him and I find myself laughing a lot because I'm just remembering, you know, our interactions and what a good friend he was. And, you know, even though I miss him, it's a bittersweet because I still feel him. And I think this is a way that will help me connect to some of those more positive feelings of, of him living on in, in, I know this is corny, but like in my heart and my memory, he's still here. So yeah. yeah. Anyway, I'm getting, I'm getting over, overwrought. No, so, it's, That's well said. Well, um, we will, again, be bringing you more of those details. We'll put uh, an announcement out here on the main feed when everything is nailed down and everything's buttoned up. And uh, also, again, look to our social media for updates. We'll be promoting the heck out of it. And uh, we just cannot thank, again, the cast of Quantum Leap enough for everything that you've done for us so far and everything that you continue to do for our show. It's it's yes, just amazing. You. It's just amazing. So anyway, if you out there have thoughts about the season two finale of Quantum Leap, there are many ways that you can reach us here at the Quantum Leap podcast. You can drop us a letter at P.O. Box 542 Bayport, New York, 11705. You can get us by phone at 707 707- 847-6682. You can email us at quantumleappodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash quantumleappodcast. You can Instagram us at quantumleappodcast or X us at quantumleappod. And you can find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash thequantumleappodcast. You can also go that extra mile and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast just remember we may use your response on an upcoming episode of the quantum leap podcast and speaking of upcoming episodes allison tell us what's next up next we're going to be talking about blind faith Oh boy. This is our final episode with Matt, alongside the uh, the Leap Day special that's going to be on the 29th, Leap Day. Yeah. As I said, on that final episode, we'll be doing an addendum with some of the thoughts that you have all sent um, in response to Matt's passing, just so that we can honor the way that you've contributed to us. And um, it's going to be bittersweet putting this one together, but I'm glad that we have one final show with the three of us together. It was a great podcast. It was a great podcast. And it's talking about the Legacy Series. It's talking about Quantum Leap the way we came together talking about Quantum Leap. And um, I, I think it's 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 only fitting that um, if we had to do a final show that uh, we're, we're talking about Sam and Al and um, the thing that made us all come together and the thing that we love dearly. I'm glad that people are going to be able to hear it because – he was talking about something that he loved, and I thought that we all came together and did a, a great episode, and it's a nice memory, you know, to, to remember um, all the things that we did with him, and uh, I'm glad that it's going to be ending with all these nice messages about Matt, and 
he's going to continue to be remembered and living on in our hearts. And I look forward, my friends, to remembering him with you until that time. I have been Christopher DeFilippis. I've been Allison Pregler. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Quantum Leap podcast, hosted by Allison and Chris, with voice talent and contributions from Hayden McQueenie and Zoe Dean. To support the show, please go to patreon.com slash Podcast. The executive producer of the Quantum Leap podcast is Albert Burge. Christopher DeFilippis and Hayden McQueenie are the co-executive producers. Special thanks to our producers, Harold Sullivan, Glenda Palma, Chris, a.k.a. Brackmang, Mike Covert, Jeff Kiska, Greg Riedler, Cosplay Dad, Charles Allen Gossard, and Morgan Felden. The thoughts expressed on this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those of the Quantum Leap podcast, its partners, or affiliates. The Quantum Leap universe and all it contains is the property of Belisarius Productions and Universal Television. The Quantum Leap podcast is not affiliated with Belisarius Productions or Universal Television, and no copyright infringement is intended. The Quantum Leap podcast is a barren space production. Butterfly effect achieved. Trophy unlocked. Unlocked.